Nice. Stuff. And we're back. Coming to you live from the Viking, right now. Viking Industrial Design Sound Studio. Located inside. Soon. It's soon going to be the Viking Industrial Sound Studio. It is the Viking Industrial Design. No, but it's, well, it'll be better. You're in it right now. It'll be better. We just tra- it'll be actual at some point. We just transformed it. From the Viking Industrial we'll Design Training Center. We'll make it the perfect one in like center. one day. Yeah. At some point in time. Yeah, it'd probably take two days. Probably. Because it's probably not going to be one coat of paint. Probably yeah, two coats Probably. Of paint. Yeah. It'll be sweet, though. Yeah. Well, the one I'm good, excited to do it. Yeah, over the next week, I'll be done running electrical. Mm-hmm. Like throughout this part of the house. So then when we, we can paint the ceiling black, which will be nice. Nice. And take out all the nails and stuff. Yeah, well, the only part that really ha- there's not a lot of nails over this has yeah. nails because this yeah. was up when I pulled the nails out. Yeah. Um, and then that whole workout area has nails over it. Yeah. Yeah. So that needs. To- I got those I- probably need to come out. If I got a good chin one up and hit yourself in the say, head a couple times. I got a good one the other day doing the chin up when I had when I hit my head there. Yeah. So I kind like, <laughs> of take these nails out. That yeah. wasn't the first thought to go through my head, but it was definitely the next one. It was my thought when I saw you hit your head. I was like, you know, some expletives and then i was like i gotta take these nails out of here yeah all right cheers bro cheers good luck is this a double scoop get that away from me oh my god so it's two scoops of mud gum two scoops of the god oh my god late response um two scoops of the on it uh amino energy yeah Oh my god! I think I know we have a lot of influence. Yeah. When we say like, don't take that pre-workout, yeah. but seriously, it sucks. If a pre-workout ever is described as bubble gun, bubble gun is it? Is that what it is? I think it's bubble guns or something because they had like know. an arm on there. Yeah. And it's bubble gun, so it's haha quirky. Yeah. No, it sucks. I was not seduced by the tricky marketing. I was more seduced by it was on clearance, so it was like fifty percent off, and I was like, I'll give it a shot. And then I had talked to you before about nit- like something with nitrous nitric oxide in it yeah. for a pre workout and the difference and whatever. So I kind of bought it so that way you could see the difference in in a pre workout with and without it for yeah. when we're working out. Yeah, um, I just didn't know that it didn't really do anything, anything. other than make you hate yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that that uh, the ionic amino energy actually kind of balanced that out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't taste as bad to me. Yeah, as normal. I, I feel like it wasn't just the bubble gum just overpowering everything else in there. Because it's funny when we mix it with like two other ones, which which also have very strong like flavor profiles. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. can't. And this taste one them. is so strong over it. But that's it. That's the only strength that it has. The <laughs> other weird part about it is it's not like a really like robust bubblegum flavor no but whatever the flavor is it's very strong yeah it's the abc gum that you find on the ground kicked around in the dirt laying in the mud (laughs) yeah like you just peeled it off a chair and you're like this is gonna be sweet (laughs) and then it's not and you're like i don't know why i thought it was gonna be sweet yeah it's the gum that's under 212 at cruise at one point in time it's a gum that's under your shoe it's something it's not good <laughs> oh so here we are yeah we're back we are here Welcome back monday morning we got a little bit of a late start oh yeah so it is 10 o'clock eastern time right yeah. now it was a long weekend 
It was a very long weekend. Good weekend. It was great. Yeah. It was great, but it was long. It was like, it was, there's no way around it. It was a long weekend. Mm-hmm. So we did our regular workout on Friday. Yep. Which was moderately extensive. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't the hardest workout we've had to do. It wasn't the like most volume that we've had to do. Yeah. But it was, a, it was like a full workout. In yeah. no way was it not. And then we had the test for our program on Saturday. Yeah. And the bar challenge. The bar challenge. Yeah. And so um, they obviously know that you're doing it the day after you did a workout because they set it like none of that stuff's by chance. You yeah. know what I mean? And they also have a full on calendar that they have to set up. Yeah. Yeah. 12 week <laughs> calendar. So everything's. But anyway, so you do this challenge um, on the Saturday of the second week. So you've done six full workouts mm-hmm. and then what there's two like recovery basically workouts which are like 20 minutes yeah um so you've done like 10 workouts and then you do this um and so we did it and basically the way that it works is there's a ladder so you do this like series of movements with a barbell mm-hmm. one time you get a 30 second break then a second then you do it two times in a row then you get a 30 second break then you do it three times in a row then you get a 30 second break then yep. you do it four times in a row 60 second break five times in a row 60 second break six times in a row 60 second break then seven times in a row 90 second break eight times in a row 90 second break yep <laughs> nine times in a row two and the tenth time are both two minute breaks two well after yeah. ten times yeah. You, you take the rest of the day yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. So in between 9 and 10, you no, get, you two, just get minutes. two minutes. <laughs> and then after 10, you basically try to figure out why you thought that was a good idea. You lay on the porch gasping for air, like kind of happy that you pushed all the way through it, but yeah. so we, also hating yourself. <laughs> so we set up the bar. Um, there's like a, a, a thing of like, this is how much weight you should do. Basically, if you know anything about lifting, it's strict. Uh, strict standing shoulder press mm-hmm. and it's what you can do 12 of you use the weight that you can do that 12 times with yeah so we did that it was like five five pounds on a side difference for us it was like a 10 pound 10 pound total difference yeah um i was going to try to do it heavier yeah because i was like i really like i really want to push it and, I, and whatever and i did the first rep with just the one movement and i was like i think that that's going to be too heavy yep um because I was still thinking that the issue was going to be muscle fatigue. Mm-hmm. That, like, I wasn't going to have the strength to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. I, but I, I, like, I didn't want to cheat the test. So, right. like, after the first one, I was like, I'm going to change out the weight. So, I could only change out one side. So, then I did the two reps with the 25 pounds yeah. on one side and 20 pounds on the other. And I did the two reps yeah. like that. Because I, I didn't want to, like, cheat the... The break, like I didn't want to take like a fifty second break the first time because I was changing the weights. Yeah. So then I changed the weights. I did the two reps, then I did the three reps. Changed the weights and then did the three reps. Yeah. yeah. Changed the weights and then did the three reps. So when I did yeah. the three reps, I had twenty on each side. Yep. I had fifteen on each side. Yeah. Just so we're clear. And then when I did the four reps, the 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 round with the four reps. Yeah. I started figuring out that it's not going to be a strength issue. No, <laughs> <laughs> it is not that. I mean, it is, it, but it, not it's so, really. Yeah. It's way more cardio yeah. than uh, than the muscle fatigue. Like I was getting it in my legs a lot, like my 
quads were just getting blown out. Yeah. But I was the same thing as like just getting really tired. And it, I think it was until, or wasn't until, f- I think like four or five in a row right there where it's yeah. like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is just going to be hard. And like, how many times do you think I was like, this is probably going to be, I'm going to like give up in here. And then I like, think seven, eight and nine. Yeah. I think while you were doing seven, you're like, I think I'm done. Yeah. Like, cause then, it, it was legitimately like, I'm not like trying to bitch out. I wanted to finish all of them but it felt like my fort and you said you were getting it too like, i got it at the end so it's, you got it like earlier yeah on. so it uh, just so you guys know it's um he already told you the way so you're doing a standing dead row up off the ground yeah dead row yep. yeah and then drop it below your knees below your knees you hip do, thrust out yeah like RDL. and then you're gonna hanging hang clean hang clean yep, yep. up to here or whatever do a lunge on each leg reverse lunge up. each leg yep, yep. And then press it overhead. Yeah. One rep. And then down. Yes. With one rep. Yes. Yeah. Um, the so, way it's meant to be done is one all the way through. Two both all the way through. Three all three all the way through. Yeah. All the way like ten is ten through. We gave ourselves say like eight done because we for sure did not do all of them in just like succession. Yeah. But we did like. We so, had breathers. Yeah. And we didn't check the results. Like we didn't check the scoring beforehand. Right. Because my thought process was that it would be a, like, I, I, I know. I just need to get to eight. Right. Like I don't, I'm not going to try to push for 10. Right. Like yeah. I know my, my brain is naturally going to try to talk me out of whatever I'm uncomfortable with. That's yeah. just how my brain works. Yeah. To, um, and I think a lot of people are yeah. right? like, if you know, like I just need to pass, like I yeah. just need to fucking see to pass and that's it. And yeah. I'm good. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that was part of the thing also why, like I was happy that you went first. Yeah. Because I think if I went first, if somehow like I didn't finish mm-hmm. that, then you would be able to write yourself a check easier to do less. Probably. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where like wherever you get to, wherever you got to in it, then like it wasn't going to impact my, it wasn't going to be a check for me to write. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't going to be in any way influencing my effort to try to get all the way to the end. But I know like if I was doing it first and I failed getting to 10, that then it would be even harder for you to get to 10. Does yeah. that make sense? To yeah. You? yeah. Yeah, totally. So we didn't look at the scoring. We didn't know what we actually needed. So the consequence of not passing is you have to start the entire program over again. Yep. Because you're Which out- is just two weeks, but it's still two weeks. Like it, everything you did, it's like Yeah. You have to go through this hell again. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even really hell. Yeah. It's just But you lose two weeks. Yeah. Like for me, it's like, okay, so and it's not like the worst thing because like I like I like the program or whatever. Yeah. But, it's not like doing a month and then right taking a test and like well if you miss this one well you're going back a month yeah so uh so we didn't look at the scoring so we didn't know how it was scored so at some point i think both of us basically once we got past five or maybe like during five i can't honestly remember but it's right there so we started taking breathers yeah so like for six definitely like i probably did three and then on the third one when i set the bar down i like walked away from the bar Mm-hmm. Wiped my face with my sweatshirt, wiped my hands, yeah. took a couple breaths, came back, and maybe did the next three, or maybe I only did two, and then wiped my face again, took a breath, mm-hmm. went back, and did the last one. Um, and you had done that while you were doing it. Like, yeah. you stopped, like, took a breath, like, whatever. Yeah. You were 
you're more of a sweater than I am. Oh yeah. So yeah. Oh, so for like, sure. I remember you did like yeah. I think you were on the set of three, and I was like, "Man, you're really sweating." Yeah. And you were like, "Yeah." Well, I was like starting to sweat for sure. Yeah. And then it was like four and five was where it's like that's where I was breathing real heavy. Yeah. And my cardio is terrible. And uh, yeah, lots of sweat. Yeah. Lots. Like, lots of sweating. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like bent over breathing really heavy and yeah. i was like come on dude yeah you gotta row let's yeah. go and yeah. you're like breathing heavy and i yeah. didn't get it and the, every time he did that i was just like yeah i know what i need to do and boy i cannot wait for you to get to here yeah yeah because it was like i don't know it's tricky being the off guy so one guy standing there with the with the phone stopwatch whatever to time the breaks because mm -hmm. basically like as soon as you set it down you start the timer for the break and yep. also to help keep track of reps Right. Because while you're doing it, like, you're really not thinking, like, like we had yeah. two mix-ups. two, three, well, yeah. When I was on five, Zach told me it was five, but I actually only did four. Yeah. And when you were on ten, I was like, I think you have four left, but I wasn't positive. And you were yeah. like, no, I have three left. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I think you do. Yeah. And then you did the three. And then I went yeah, back. Yeah, I was right for you, and you were right for me. Yeah. I went, I went <laughs> back funny. through, and... uh yeah, and the footage showed that you did nine, so you ripped one more off at the yeah. end, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and mine, like I did four, and then I just went back and ripped one more off for the fifth one. But yeah, you need the other guy there to like keep track of your reps and to do the timer. Mm -hmm. So it's awkward because like we work out with each other, mm -hmm. but like you know that guy's suffering, and you yeah. know that like it's not easy. Like yeah. I know you're not a bitch. Yeah. And I'm trying to like motivate you and keep you going, but I'm not like there in this thing of like, you know, I'm not going to tear you down or start like, yeah. Yeah. one, my garage is open and we're in yeah. my neighborhood and there's like pickle ballers <laughs> at the park next to me. And I don't want them yeah. to like look over and I'm in my garage. Come on, you bitch. Let's yeah. go. Like, you know, um, so like I wasn't 100% sure on how to handle it. And I yeah. know it's just like frustrating to have someone stand there. Like, I know that you're not like, yeah you know daydreaming yeah you know but it's hard like on the side like how to motivate you and i was yeah. like kind of on it and then i'd kind of like fade out of it and then like kind of get back on it yeah. and whatever i mean for me honestly i mean what you're doing like totally made sense but it, it i would much rather i think which is going to be weird is like come on you bitch instead of doing something that's going to make me laugh because once it's I laugh a lot. Like things are funny. Yeah, I was specifically was trying not to make you laugh. Yeah, because yeah. as soon as that happens, it's like I have to like take a step back and recoup. Yeah, but it's... if it's like the come on you bitch thing, it's like if it's going to piss me off or piss you off, yeah. usually that's like, all right, I'm just going to get this anger out on this bar because I know that it's you're not being malicious or yeah. whoever's not being malicious. It's That's what I was trying to do with the row though because I figured it would get annoying without me like somehow one i was really yeah. trying not to make you laugh because i know once yeah. you start laughing it's hard to recoup it, and, and it's hard to focus on what you're doing you know yeah. like mu like muscular like exertion is hard when you're laughing because you're already like kind of in this involuntary kind yeah. of situation and every time you're like you got a row and i'm just i'm thinking to myself i fucking know what i have to do yeah and then it was um it got to a point of kind of blacking out yeah. not actually like i was feeling like i was blacking out but it was kind of that thing it was just like do it without thinking because it's like i had that internal battle of like yeah. i'm bouncing back and forth and it's like well i know and i just i would just grab the bar and just row yeah and i would just go through the motions and reps whatever and yeah seven was like it's gonna be soon like even in inside was like 
that it's somewhere in here. Like I feel like I'm not a hundred percent certain. Like yeah. I want to get all the way through for sure, but it might just be like my forearm. Like I don't know what was like kind of popping or whatever, like muscles moving over the bone or whatever it is. And I was just like, I might just be done because I'm limited because I might be able to just do it. Yeah. But this might be hindering because there was a couple times where like, oh, I can't like grab anything. Yeah. Um. And then like on set 10 and i did five and i was just like god damn it because <laughs> i knew i was like it's just five more and i know i can do five more and i know it's just gonna fucking suck and yeah. then i did four more we found out so i like ripped the last one off and just laying on the porch i was just like i feel like this is what people who have heart attacks are <laughs> like feeling like yeah. Obviously not, but it was just like I was sitting there just trying to like lay, meditate and just like focus on breathing, just like yeah, bring my heart rate down because I was like getting scared, like to a certain degree of just yeah. like it feels like a panic attack. It feels like X, Y and Z and whatever. And then it was like real quick, like my mind went away from it and it was just I was fine. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm going to be fine. It's just living through that. And also the I haven't done this before. So that on top of it is like, I didn't know what to expect. I don't know what's going on. And like, I'm just here trying to like better myself. We're trying to better ourselves and all that. And it's yeah. just like, once all that, like I came like to back to like equilibrium. I was like, we fucking did it. Like, yeah. God damn it. Yeah. When I, when I watched you do it and I didn't know like how it was going to go for me and I didn't understand the struggle you were having. I did yeah. like, I didn't know if it was like a, a like strength thing or what was going on, because you're not doing it. And looking at it from the outside, I'm thinking like the lunge is going to be the limiting part mm -hmm. because the weakest by body weight comparison part of my body is my legs because I've just really babied them for years because of my knees. Yeah. So I was thinking like, all right, like the hard part each, each round is going to be like pushing through the lunge. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and then once I was doing it, I was like, holy shit, like my cardio is so bad. Yeah. And like I know that my cardio is not great because I don't do a lot of cardio. Um, but I was in some way thinking that my cardio was better because like I rip around on my bike sometimes for like, you know, 40 minutes or something and I'm good. Like I know I vape, you know, with this little fucking thing and like, but whatever I do, like my cardio is okay. Yeah. And while I was doing it, I was just thinking like, I just don't do enough cardio. Yeah. Like while we were doing that, I was just thinking like, dude, we got to start doing more cardio. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, like, this is a real thing. Yeah. And that's, so when I lived in Texas, for those who don't know, I lived in Texas for a number of years and I didn't have a car. I rode my bike everywhere and yeah. biking around there is huge. And hopefully it still is because it was awesome. And the community was great. And the people who just lived there respected it versus like out here where you could just get smeared on the road literally at any point in time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, that's why I always so, rode my bike when I rode my bike here before mm -hmm. I used to ride it all the time when I first moved back from New York yeah I would always ride my bike at night yeah and people were like I don't understand like because I talk to people about it I'm like oh I only ride my bike at night mm -hmm. and they're like well that seems more dangerous and I'm like no because of the light yeah because during the daytime people don't look for bikes yes at night I have a big ass headlight on my light on my bike I have a flasher in the back yeah you know what I mean I've got like reflectors and I get a lot more respect mm-hmm and visibility on my bike at night than I do during the day. Cause I originally yeah. started riding it a day and it's like, dude, you almost get wiped out like at intersections all the time. Yeah. Not like a big intersection. Yeah. It's the side street. Yeah. Cause that dude's just looking to the side for the cars coming that way. And when you're coming the other way, like he'll totally yep. hit you. You know? Yeah. I have like a, 
I mean, even in Texas, like I've gotten hit in Texas a few times or yeah. like it's been close and it's just from people being like unaware or just don't give a shit or whatever. Um, but like I have a whole like mental system, like because I ride fixed gear. Fixed gear was huge out there. Yeah. And my cardio when I lived there was amazing because I literally rode 16 miles a day on a single speed bike that had no brakes other than my legs. Yeah. And uh, so like when I'm crossing, like I'm looking through houses down the road to see if there's any car coming so I know if I need to like slow down or whatever. So it's just really funny because... I forgot that I even had that until we started writing again. And I'm like just automatically doing all this stuff. And I was yeah. like happy that it's still there. Um, but I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Like riding our bikes, like we just do it on Fridays Some or whatever. Fridays, for like, yeah. The, yeah. For half an hour. Yeah. At a moderate pace. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's why like uh, when us three did it, like on the home stretch, that's why I just like fired it out because I want to yeah. like get something going because when we're just like cruising you're doing nothing i get why it's like yeah. it's very light cardio so yeah. there is like i blew past the jeep that was like going down and i was like okay like i still got something yeah um but yeah i liked i like riding my bike a lot and that's why i ride the fixed gears because it's a lot harder to do and you're always moving you can't just coast unless you pick your feet up off the pedals yeah so but yeah my cardio i mean it just sucks. Yeah, it my sucked. My, so I so yeah, the truth was affirmed, right? Because I was thinking like maybe so, maybe somehow I have some tricky good cardio, right? Like even yeah. though I don't work on it and whatever. Because um, I used to be a really good distance runner when I was a kid. Like yeah. I was like a really good distance runner, and I was like maybe it's just you know no, it's not. Um, I learned for sure on Saturday morning that my cardio sucks. Yeah. Um, and my big thing about like hitting my bike and doing a bunch of cardio is. If you ride your bike a lot, mm -hmm. you can end up with IT band issues mm -hmm. because of the specific way that you're using your legs. Mm -hmm. It builds your legs out of balance and you can end up with IT issues. Um, so I didn't, I'd had an IT issue five years ago or something at mm -hmm. this point. I don't know how many years ago. And it was horrible. So like instantly I stopped like, all right, I'm not going to use my bike for like my cardio. Really? Like I can use it for part of it. Well, now we probably do enough shit that like it wouldn't happen. Yeah. But um, yeah, golf, like disc golf, ball golf and riding my bike just really like got my IT bands juiced. And that yeah. was a very, very unpleasant situation. Um, and then I like I don't want to leave my workout on my bike. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to build strength in my legs and like while riding my bike does build strength in my legs, it's not, it's not what I'm looking for, Yeah, you know? So, um, yeah. So we just learned like we have to do more cardio and then we looked at this week's workouts and like this week now we actually do quite a bit more cardio than we had been doing. Yeah. Cause I feel like <laughs> when we were talking about it, that they know what's coming and yeah. they're really smart in like how everything's like it's not just like yeah that sounds good this sounds good whatever and then it's just like call it a day yeah that there's probably some form in it of like they need to have like if they can't do it it's probably because their cardio sucks and whatever because what's coming next is going to be like box jumping and jumping split squats or whatever the hell or lunges or whatever yeah. it is so like what's coming next when we watch the quick 
yeah. overview of everything is like, okay. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I did part of the, part of the thing is though, is like, we kind of lied to get into the program. Yeah. You know, well, like, I didn't, I just left it up to you. So I you lied. lied. I, I lied I'm just, I'm blind. I falsified data. Um, so I think that there was an original workout program before this. That's like a 12 week <laughs> program. I think we're in like the second of a series. Okay. So I think the first one probably did a whole bunch of cardio. Cause like the work that we did for like the few months before we started doing this program was like getting your body from never working out, getting you from never doing specific exercises, getting right. me from like wherever the fuck I was at. Just waking everything up. Yeah. And getting you like, um, stabilized structural, like support from the muscles in place and getting everything going, strengthening your soft tissue, your mm -hmm. connective tissue, all that stuff and getting you ready. Like, okay, now we can do like a real have at it. Um, so our real have at it, like prep versus their real have at it prep. They probably did a lot more cardio because yeah. I don't like the strain on my legs of doing a bunch of cardio that way. Gotcha. So we kind of got, you know, like we thought we were going to get exposed one way and yeah. instead we got exposed a different way. So, <laughs> yeah. But in the end, we both, we both passed. We made it all the way through because we didn't know the scoring. So we, instead of doing as many as we could do without taking a break. And then once we had to take a break, quitting, mm -hmm. which I think is what it looked like the scoring should have been. Mm -hmm. Like you just go as long as you can go until you have to take a break. Yeah. Like until you have to set the bar down and take a breather. Yeah. Like I guess at that point you quit yeah. and that's your score. Yeah. But instead of doing that, we just like took little breathers and then did all of it. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't that long. Yeah. Like none of them, I don't believe, were more than like ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. So like it, it would, be, I would think it would be different if it was we were dabbling in what the first group of actual breaks were. Yeah, because then you're in the actual break time that you're yeah. getting. So like it's kind of cheating. Like I think we gave us an eight or whatever. Yeah, like because we did done. all of them, but we took a bunch of we took a bunch of like little breathers. Yeah. So we said like B B minus. Yeah. Like that's what I was thinking. Rough guess. Yeah. yeah. Um but I think the way that we did it workout wise mm -hmm. was like a very serious workout. Yeah. Versus had we just gone until we had to take a breather and then we're like, well that's as far as I got and yeah. then stopped. Like I I really feel like we got a lot out of doing the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And then we went and played disc golf. <laughs> yeah and uh, well after that we yeah. worked on my house a little bit put some canisters up we did some light some light home remodeling work yeah whatever. Ne next day we went and played disc golf yeah. that day we yeah we told, did some electrical yeah we stuff. did some electrical and then we split a, we split a chicken yeah yeah because we were <laughs> so i brought i made beef stew the night before yeah because i was like i mean this just makes sense working out whatever yep you supply a lot of stuff so i'm like I'll try to bring what I can when I can. Yeah. I bug you about like, when do I need to get whatever? Ah, we'll just figure it out. Yeah. So like I made a giant thing of beef stew. I went to Costco, got a bunch of stuff. I got like these giant slabs of meat for like 20 bucks. I'm like, dude, 10 of, cause that one half will make a giant stew. So for $20, you get two giant, giant stews. beef stews yeah. out of this. So I'll bring some over. You killed your portion. I got like halfway through mine. I think Gabby's is still in the fridge unless you ate it already. No, I'm going to eat it today, um, though. Okay. I didn't know it was still in there. Nice. Um, and then you were venting about some stuff. And I'm like, all right, let's just knock some shit out. Because yeah. I know there's stuff that like wears you down. I'm like, it'll probably be easier if there's two people doing some shit. Yeah. I'm all for it. And it'll be I'm, funnier. Yeah. 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 Um, so I was like, fuck it. And then also, um, I'm glad that we did more electrical stuff. 
because yeah. I never like my dad is a very smart guy and nothing against my dad at all. It's just he's not a good teacher by any means. Yeah. At all. Well, once like, you had said that, once you had said that you didn't know anything about electrical, I was like, "Well, we can just work on it. I can just, yeah. you know, walk you through whatever we're doing, and then you can just do it, and I'll just be your apprentice." Yeah, and whatever. It'll work. And it was awesome. Like, yeah. and it was just like some simple stuff, but like, you got to learn it. Yeah. Like, and and I was super happy for that. So thanks. Um, so we knocked a bunch of that out. Got the little... rest of the canisters in for the living room, and then yep. ripped out the Did stupid some demo. fucking pocket door. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we got the pocket draw. But the, the tricky part, or not the tricky part, but the one thing out of putting the canisters in, the takeaway from that is like really trying to incorporate like all of the design elements in the finished product and how everything works together. Yeah. Because if we had just been like, oh, let's like, this is about where they're going to be, whatever. And then you get done, like I was explaining to you, like, okay, so the built in bookcase is going to go here. It's going to yeah. look super fucking odd if yeah. the light is 10% off of the right side. Right. It's going to look weird. Yes. So the important part in all that, and as like any kind of design or build out or anything you're doing, is just trying to keep track of like ratios and like symmetry and how everything's going to go and what everything's going to look like for your finished product. Because yeah. otherwise it looks like you just did this in random steps and then yeah. this is the and finished product. And I feel product. like after doing what, like I have a pretty good mental picture of what the room's going to look like. Yeah. Even like without color, but right. with walls up and everything. Yeah. TV, bookshelf, canisters, all that. I think it's yeah. going to look really nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a cool like because it's it's the living room. Um, it'll be a cool like front space, like yeah. for sure. It'll be like the house is going to be as nice as this house can be. Yeah, I think for sure. Yes. Like it's a lot of work, but I think in the end, like I tried to look at it. Um, it's a full remodel, mm -hmm. like to the studs changing all the electrical every room like literally changing every like the only thing that'll yeah. be left in the house from the original is going to be the studs the joists like that like everything else is a total remodel yeah. um so doing doing that taking it from the house that it was to like all right what makes sense what's like the nicest thing and going through it it's cool now because like i'm starting to actually get to see like all right cool this is it and once this space of living room dining room kitchen whatever that other thing like over the stairs once that ceiling is in and that's actually like one space because it used to be three or four different rooms there's one of the dumbest things i've ever seen <laughs> like uncle bernie yeah super nice guy i met him only a couple times but like I, why like the what? rooms were set i, I know that he just he did what he did and whatever but, that's but it was just like how the house was yeah, yeah yeah it wasn't him yeah doing it but um but this whole neighborhood lives in those houses <laughs> yeah like so like so i live in i live in troy and <laughs> uh, like this is totally off the discussed subject whatever we'll get to it um i live in troy and i live in a neighborhood very much of brick ranches some people have added like additions on the top to make like a bungalow or whatever the fuck it is that they did yeah but the neighborhood itself is brick ranches yeah and it's like one of those neighborhoods of like four houses and then they just like move them around, right? Yeah. So in my neighborhood, there's probably like 14 houses that are my house, yep. right? And then 14 houses of another house and another house, another house, right? You either have A, B, C, or D. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that they did it. And the part that cracks me up is like, the reason the house was built the way that it was built was because originally you had gravity-fed furnaces, right? So that you didn't have forced air. So now you have a furnace that has a blower mm -hmm. that uses natural gas that like heats up a... 
an area of air, and then that air is circulated throughout the house. Yeah. Okay, so that can heat up an entire house rapidly. Yeah. Gravity-fed means just the lightness of the hot air is what brings the heat into the house. There's yeah. no blower. So the heating of the house is a more delicate process. Yeah. So you have a lot of walls in houses like that, specifically by doors and doorways and rooms, and the rooms are smaller because when you heat the room... Your entire comfort can be blown out if you have a giant open space. Yeah. Someone opens up the front door and it just blows all the heat out into the garage. <laughs> yeah. And then like they close the door and now the house is going to be cold for 10 minutes yeah. or 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it However is. However long it is, yeah. Yeah, and especially like if you used to have a furnace that you had to like put coal into. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's great. Someone came over. I'm going to go downstairs and shovel some, you know what I mean? Like whatever yeah, it is. Totally. So that's why the house was set up that way. But that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um. And now, like, I just look at, like, yeah, it's crazy that, you know, you, you still, like, just live in this space of this house that's just a whole bunch of, like, right. these little rooms and weird walls in places and stuff. Yeah, so. like opening the front door and then there's just a wall right, in front right of there you. that you could almost literally just break your nose on yeah. if you just came in hot. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah there's, like, there's enough room to open the yeah. door. Yeah. And then from when the door was open till that wall, you probably had, like, maybe a foot. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like and then you had a, a closet behind the door when it was open that you could put probably like four coats in or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, but anyways, the uh, yeah, the design and everything of like what I'd come up with yeah. going through the house and then living in the house for a while and then whatever yeah. is now like taking actual structure. Yeah. So it's cool to look at and be like, yeah, it's sweet. sweet. Yeah, I like it. It's gonna be a nice space. So I actually kind of loosely framed in how the peninsula comes off the side of the kitchen counter mm-hmm. and. Uh, Gabby and I were standing in the kitchen looking at it, and I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to be super cool. Because like a lot of sacrifices, not a lot of sacrifices, a lot of work has been done to create like a nice kitchen space. Because yeah. the part of the house that sucked before was like the kitchen was so <laughs> crammed, and you didn't have much of anything. Like it's yeah. so weird. Like it was in such a small, confined space that you didn't have enough counter space. You didn't have enough cabinets. And then it's not like that was sacrificed for like floor space. Like you also didn't have floor space. Yeah. So um, that was kind of like the solve. But I, I feel like the solution that we have and what's going to end up is going to be nice. Yeah. So anyways, we got some canisters in. We got a pocket drawer ripped out and then we sat down and split a chicken. Yeah. My mom called me and was like, I went to the market and bought a chicken, two chickens. And I was going to make a stuffed chicken and I can make you one at the same time if you want. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. And uh, and then I'd forgotten about it. Because yeah. that was like 10 o'clock. Or no, that was like, yeah, like 9.30 in the morning. Okay. So I'd forgotten about it. And then she said, just let me know two hours before you want to eat. Mm-hmm. So then I, we were working on the house and she sent me a text. She's like, can I start cooking now? Because I'm getting hungry. And I was like, yeah. And then yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> and uh, and then like we were working and then it's like, my mom's here. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah, so like the- someone pulled up and they started honking their horn. I'm like, who's that? Because like, I didn't see the car or whatever because yeah. I know what car Sandy drives. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I didn't know like why she was there. I thought she was like, hey, how's the house going? Right. Like, no, she brought the chicken. So then, yeah. So we brought it in. Gabby went out and got it, put it on the, the stove, whatever. And then uh, we had some more work to do. So we finished the work for like, a, I don't know, 45 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And then we got done at that point. Gabby and Casey were doing something else. And I was like, 
hey, do you just want to split this chicken? Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, yeah. I was yeah, like, sure. let's get those gains. Yeah. So then I just took like, I have, I, have a, I have a nice knife. And so I just like cut the chicken in half. And I was yep. like, here's your half. Here's my yeah. half. And then we just sat down and like ate a chicken. <laughs> and it was very satisfying. Like Vikings. Yeah. It was very satisfying. Yeah. yeah it was really good. Thank yep. you, Sandy. Then I got pulled into, because I'm the consummate designated driver. So I got pulled into some designated driving that took me till like three in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, ate some Taco Bell ravenously. Nice. And then stayed up because I drank a bunch of Red Bull. Nice. Because I went out dancing. <laughs> and then got two hours of sleep and then you were here the next morning and it's like, all yeah. right, let's go play indie. Yep. So we got up and went and played indie. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, because some of the guys in small city disc golf organized. Yeah. Kind of like Tommy. A- Tommy put together yep. a little challenge. And uh, it was cool. I haven't seen Tom in, I haven't seen Tom in a long time. Mm-hmm. And he had just gotten married, and uh, I really like him as a person. And I was like just excited. Like he's a newer guy, one of the newest guys on the team. Like besides mm-hmm. the cops. Like we got the cops, and before that it was Tommy. So yeah, um, you know I always try to do stuff with him. Like if ever he wants to do something, I always try to like do it because he's yeah. new to the team, and I always want him to feel like you know he's a valued part of the team and whatever. Yes. So he put the thing up, and I was like, fuck it. Like I haven't gone disc golfing since the Stony Open. So it's been three weeks yeah. and I was like, yeah, like I'll, I'll be fine. But I wasn't thinking of like workout on, fr- like when he put it up, I like instantly, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm in. Like, it'll be yeah. cool. Sunday's going to be nice. I haven't thrown in weeks. Like, it'll be nice. Yeah. But Secretly, I was- we're going through a workout on Friday, a challenge yeah. Saturday. <laughs> wasn't thinking about it. And then I had been Staying like, up till five in the morning. <laughs> right. And I had been moonlighting with like demo at my house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we would work, we worked on a Wednesday and then I did like four hours worth of demo at the house. Okay. You know what I mean? So or on Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday. And then Thursday I worked on like tearing the ceiling down and stuff. So it's not like I've also been like stagnant. Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't thinking of all of that. And then, uh, I couldn't go to sleep on Saturday night because of the Red Bull. Yeah. So then at five 30, I was like, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. And then I woke up at seven 30 and I was like, uh, here we go let's do it uh. Uh. <laughs> and then we we also got going late yeah because like i got up at 7 30 but i waited till like you were here because mm-hmm. i didn't know if you were gonna be running late or whatever and then when you, like heaven forbid i'd just be early yeah i was like no i'll wait yeah and then you got here and i was like all right so then i got my shit together and then it was like 8 20 8 25 by the time we were like leaving the house we're yeah. supposed to be at indy at nine yeah and then we were close yeah we got there at 9 30 yeah um but then, like, I-75 is all fucked up. So, like, trying to get on I-75 and then trying to cut back and whatever. Yeah, like, I feel like it took us 20 minutes just to get on the fucking just highway. Just to get on. Yeah. I, yeah. So, at that point, I was thinking, like, we're probably not going to get to stop to eat. We're probably not going to get to stop at the gas station. And then they called us. Like, we had been on 696 for, like, a mile. Yeah. And Parker texted me. He was like, are you guys stopping at the gas station? And I was hoping that it was them being like, because we're running really behind it. We're not going to have time to stop. Yeah. And I was like, dude, stop. Treat yourself. Don't yeah. worry. We'll be fine. <laughs> and instead, it was like, no, we're here. And I was like, fuck. I was like, no, we're not stopping at the gas station. Yeah. And I told them, I was like, we're probably like almost a half an hour out. Yeah. Um, and they were like, all right, cool, because they want to warm up. And by warm up, they meant like throw a couple drives on one and lose their discs and then spend yeah. 20 minutes looking for their discs. Yeah. Um, so they didn't <laughs> even really get to warm up too much, but whatever. Um, so we just went straight there. Mm-hmm. No breakfast. No nothing. No. We did nothing. pre-workout in the morning, though. Yeah. Which was that. a smart move. Yes. Because otherwise, I would have we not made it through it. the first round. Yeah. But we went out and played indie. Um, I actually chose the course because I heard that they had put the pads in at indie. Okay. I didn't know that they had. I didn't know what they had done. But we went out there to play before, and they had like all that stuff. Yeah, they had a bunch of stuff marked off. They had 
stuff cut that didn't really make sense until it was or right. like they're changing something but right. i didn't see it like they, they they're a just of... like clearing shit out cutting some trees down but yeah. i'm not really like in a lot of spots it was just like a that's weird that they're clearing that out because right. there's not flags somewhere else and then we found out later in the second or at least the the big one for me was in the second round yeah um that really awesome fun hole yeah <laughs> two of them yeah um <laughs> But yeah, so I, I just wanted to see because I'd also heard someone say something that like the T pads that they put in like weren't level, like not like slightly off level, but were like running uphill. Yeah, running uphill or running off a corner or whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to go check it out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cool. And I love Indy. Yeah. So I was like, cool, let's go. Um, so we got out there, we warmed up a little bit, like, you know, whatever, four throws or something. And then we started to play. And I was like, okay, here we go. I've been thrown in three weeks. Yeah. Let's see how this goes. And it was money. Like yeah. my first shot, like down the fairway, was sweet. Second shot was like cool. I just missed. Like the first shot, I just threw safe, and it went safe. And then my second shot, I was like, all right, I'm gonna try to get down there. Yeah. And I just missed it. I caught the outside of that tree. Yeah. And then the rest of the round was fine. Like mm-hmm. I, I kind of, like, kind of was able to work on some stuff, and other was like time just went by. It was a little bit of a tricky round to try to get in a rhythm, because we spent a lot of time looking for discs, because there's so many leaves on the ground, um, and then just like some of the play was a little like sporadic. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for me to like, one, I haven't played in three weeks and two, it was hard to just like get in a rhythm of like, all right, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I just kind of let that go. And then I was just kind of thinking like, we might not get done before dark. Yeah. Because <laughs> the first round took so four, a long four time. and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was five of us. We let like four groups play through, but then also it was a bunch of like, when you can't find your disc, if you don't throw like a super bright color, it's five dudes looking for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. or more. Yep. Um, and we did that a bunch. And then if you've spent time at Indy or not, uh, there's a lot of thorns. There's like a lot of really aggressive areas. Yeah, we all donated blood, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I wore like tough pants because yeah. I knew like this is going to probably... Like Indy's gotten the better of me a few times. So now when I go out there, I'm like, nope. Yeah. Um, but we played the we played the course. Anyways, um, so the first round we played 1, 2, and then X, 1 through 13. Because mm-hmm. uh, they added an X hole. Yep. Yep. So we did 1 through 13. And then you come back and play four, and then we played sixteen, se- seventeen, eighteen. Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yes. Yes. No, not eighteen. Not eighteen. Sixteen and seventeen, or yeah. fourteen, whatever. Yeah. Either way, we played nineteen holes the first. The round. first round because yeah. we didn't know that they cut E out and made F E on the extra holes, and then yeah. they added an X on yeah. the X. Yeah. So there is two eighteens there now. Yeah. We just played nineteen, 19 and then seventeen. Right, for the rounds. No one's going to tell us what to do. Yeah, exactly. Right. We're our own boss. Yeah. So the extra holes, X one through now X thirteen, um, are very different than they were before. Yeah. And I really, really, really liked it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Except for thirteen, but hopefully they're not done with thirteen. Yeah. Because when it's done, hopefully, yeah, it's going to be really sweet. Like it'll be a manageable, manageable hole. Um, like it's not super long, but it'll be a cool technical, like hyzer shot through it. But yeah. right now it's just kind of like a pray your way through kind of deal. Yeah. Or not even sure. Yeah. Not even yeah. sure. But I was really ha- like, as soon as we got to the first extra, I was like, this is cool. Like, cause to me, yeah. it's basically the same ish shot. It's just much longer and you have more, um, 
at least for myself, like you can go high and then drop it in through the trees kind of deal. You can still go up the middle, but it makes sense. And then just having a tee pad actually mm. is nice. And it's got width to it. It's got some length to it. Like yeah. all the good stuff. And it's not slick. It looks like they took a broom across it or something. So you can actually grip onto the tee pad, which is always nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that the tee pads were really nice. Yeah. Um, Never did I feel like I was running uphill. Yeah, I, like that was the thing, and maybe yeah. maybe I just remembered it wrong, and I could have. I mean, yeah. I'm old, um, but yeah, I felt like the tee pads were very fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel like they were super slick. I didn't feel like they were at crazy angles. I felt like they were like for the most part flat, and I felt like the grip on them was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I could always go for longer tee pads, as we talked about, like on the way home. But n- only one of them are you like stepping up onto the tee pad from the backside. Yeah, and that's eight. Because it's kind of over in that like funky thing, and basically they put it where the bridge used to be or whatever it is. Yeah. Um. So that one, there's like a drop off off the back, but it's not like a giant shot. Right. So it is what it is. But all the rest of them, like I felt like, were fair. It was very nice to have T pads. Yeah. Because a lot of those holes back there, one, it for the most part, it used to play like pitch and putt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, other than seven, other than eight, I guess like you know, I don't know. But a lot of those were basically just like mid and putter shots, mm-hmm. right? Or you'd throw, I would throw like a fairway driver, but I'm just throwing a fairway driver for the speed. Mm-hmm. I'm not throwing a fairway driver for the whatever. Um, and that's definitely not the case anymore. It's not. It's a lot of 360, a couple like 400. Yeah, like yeah, actual holes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, none of them are just like blind hyzers, just like rip a hyzer. Like the only one that is is seven. Mm-hmm. And that's just like the one hyzer shot. But yeah. it's a decent enough shot. Um but yeah, like they're real holes. And it's like, you know, only a couple of them are a little dicey of like, well, see how this goes. Yeah. But most of them are like, oh, yeah, this is like a cool hole, yeah. you know. Um, so I liked it. I was really impressed with it. I shot terribly in terms of scoring wise, but I felt pretty good about like how everything went overall. Yeah. Um, in terms of like my off the tee and whatever, because I was kind of sore to yeah. say the least. Um, <laughs> my knees weren't exactly like the happiest with me. They weren't bad. But they were definitely like uncomfortable and I was uncomfortable on them. Yeah. The workout Friday, test on Saturday, and then four hours of dancing mm-hmm. Saturday night and then two hours of sleep and playing. Yep. Like my knees were like, hey, buddy, we're yeah. trying to do everything we can <laughs> yeah. for you. But, you know. I don't know what you're expecting from us. Man. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, it was good. And it was it was a fun time to be had by all. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was awesome. There was a lot of laughs. A lot lots of, of, lot of, lots laughs. of shit talk. Lots of craziness. It was, yep. it was good. <laughs> People had to drop the preacher's elbow yeah. right down on some folks. <laughs> but uh yeah, it was it was a gr- it was a great time. Um yeah, it, it, it was cool. I like uh I like for the most part. There's only two holes out there. Three holes out there that I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. One of them I've always complained about, which is B, where you literally just tee off into a line Wall of, of trees. A, a line of trees. Yeah. And you just like hope to hit one of those two gaps and then either turn one over to fade back to the right or mm-hmm. throw a hyzer flip through the other one or whatever it is. And yeah. either you hit one of those gaps or you don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I play that hole for a fucking three every time and I just want to get through. And if it just works out that I have a putt for two and I make it sweet. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I've tooted a few times yeah. and I've forwarded a bunch of times and whatever, but in no oh, way yeah. am I there like... This is testing that skill set. Yeah. Um, and then definitely the change 
to 13, adding that long pad, it just seems like an incomplete idea. Yeah. Like I like the T pad where it is mm-hmm. and I like the shot mm-hmm. that it is, but it seems like they like took out three of the seven trees they're going to take out, hopefully, yeah. and then yeah. put a T pad there. Cause yeah. otherwise it's, it's a weird, like you can't, they're really, I mean, I'm sure there is a line, but you really can't see it and it's not very big. Yeah. Um, and then they took out hole F and they, ma- no, they took out hole E Yeah. and then they yeah. made hole F hole E and they added a different pad over back to the side there. Mm-hmm. And then they just made a longer version of hole B Yep. on hole E, except instead of it being a straight shot, it's a hyzer shot. Yeah. And same thing. Hopefully that one, they're just like, yeah. And there's for sure a line because Parker yeah. parked it. Yeah. There so. is a line. But yeah. it, it's it's another shot of like you're basically throwing into a wall of trees yep. that are like 150 feet away from you. Yep. Yep. On a 400 and something foot hole. Yeah. Um, so if that is part of the test of the course, it's like, all right, we already took that part of the test. Yeah. So let's try yeah, something like else. Like two holes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like two <laughs> holes ago. Um, so I don't know. Maybe those maybe those holes are still like trying to. Under construction. Yeah. I uh, hope. Under construction. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. If not. Yeah. You're, it's all you're going to hear at the tournaments, right? Yeah. Because you, you still hear about B. Every yeah. tournament I play out there, I try to play at least, yeah. I, I usually try to play like three tournaments out there a year. But um, yeah, every tournament, when you get to that hole, it's like. Sweet. Everybody's here we here go. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's all like B, I'm really almost at the point of like a thumber. Yep. Like if I, like, if I hit those trees again, I think from then on, I'm just going to throw a thumber. Mm-hmm. Just thumber it through because I'll guaranteed hit the gap. And then wherever the thumber ends up out there, pitch up and take a three. Yep. Because it is what it is. And so if I end up doing that on two holes back there, then it is what it is. But I, I feel like E is a little bit more fair than B. Yeah. Because if anything else, you can just bitch straight out and then pitch up and go. Yep. Absolutely. So, but it was it was great. I was really, really happy with it. I love the course to begin with. And I think it's way better now. Yeah. Because part of the frustrating part before was all those extra holes. You were just kind of pitching back and forth. And you're kind of throwing it at the tee pad in front of you and like... It was a little weird. Yeah, it had a yeah, little Yeah, now bit. you have like two legitimate 18s and like for me it's two maybe well, one, three holes that I'd complain about and everything else is like I enjoy this. Yeah. 119 and 117. Yep. Yeah. Um yeah, but I I really enjoyed the holes. And I like instantly cuz I'm a crackhead, like as soon as like I said, like for me a, an indication of a good course is like as soon as I get done I just want to try it again. Yeah. And like I had to really get in my head of like no the season's over. <laughs> like, I'm not doing this. I already committed to not doing this. Because in my head, I was thinking, like, I'm going to come back out here on Tuesday. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I liked it. And, like, the holes are so much different than they were before. Uh, I was just thinking, like, oh, well, now that I actually know where the pins are. And I know, actually know, like, how the holes play. Like, I'd really like to try to play this yeah. course, like, knowing where I'm I'll going. I'll be going back out. Yeah. For sure. Because I, I had the same thing where it's – I played pretty well. Like it was 102 I finished for both courses or whatever yep. that means. Um, it was just fun. Like I had a lot of really good birdies, but almost guaranteed like every time I birdied, it was bogey. It was like birdie, bogey, birdie, bogey. And it was like the dumbest bogeys where I'm like trying to get up and down and like not do anything crazy. And then something had like uh, after B, which is C, crazy. Um threw what I thought was a really good tee shot and then it just kind of drifted right more than I thought and it like hit and plinkoed down and then it like grabbed on by like a, a fingerling on the tree and then it just hung there until I got there. It was like, I'm so sorry and it fell out of the tree. Yeah. 
And then just like trying to get up from there, I thought I had a decent shot. And it was like early and right, and it hit whatever. It's like, okay, fine. I can at least get four from there. Like wherever I'm at, I can get up and down, I thought. Yeah. And then even where I ended up, the window that I had, I was like, okay, I know I can like get in the circle or close or like jump putt range or whatever. And there is, from what I saw, even like looking around at it, it's like, I just have to hit this pocket and make sure it's going straight and then over instead of just like out and over immediately. Yeah. And I hit it exactly how I wanted to hit it. And then I just, I saw it just kind of fluff and hit down. And I was like, I hit something or what? And like, I was like, yeah. Yeah. And you then hit, you let it go. It hit the tree. It hit some tree. Like it came out of your hand, hit a tree, went up and then came over. Yeah. It came out, went dink and then up and over. Yeah. So yep. it like skipped off a branch that I didn't know that I skipped off of. Cause yep. like right from my angle, I missed the two trees that I wanted to miss. And I was just like, what the fuck? And I was just pissed. I was like, dude, f- like a five, like sweet. Like, I took a six. Yeah. <laughs> my six was awesome. It should have been just like a three. It was a three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. Parker turned his shot way over. He's a, he's over on B and he's like stuck behind all these trees and I'm not sure he can see the basket. Yeah. So I like set up for my pot and I'm like, when he throws it as it's in the air, when it's getting close, I'm just going to throw my pot, hit the pot and they'd be like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. And then he's like, did I make it? Be like, no, I just made my pot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But so I was standing there and he threw his shot earlier than I thought he was going to. Like I was trying to watch him, but I couldn't really see him because of the trees. So yeah. as soon as I saw his disc in the air, I like fucking turned the pot. Yeah. I thought it was in, but it just like bounced on the cage or hit the front of the cage or whatever it was. Yeah. And then hit the ground and rolled like slow roll, slow, slow roll, roll down the hill to like 60 feet. Yeah. Like 20 feet behind where I was yeah. at, maybe even 30 feet behind where I was at. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's unfortunate. So I just pitched up from there for the four. Mm-hmm. to it, have a tap in five to have a tap in five and then i literally like i, w- I didn't rage but like i thought it was hilarious and yeah it was what it was yeah um so then i just went to like t- tap in for the five and it just squared up the pole and landed outside of the bed yeah like basically no chains and were was like, hit. That, that's a six i was like sweet <laughs> i was at a three like a minute ago but uh no it was pretty funny yeah. it was it was a good it is it was what a it good is. time yeah but i no I, I i definitely i had fun it was a good round um i really liked that course yeah so I definitely look forward to getting back out there and playing it again. Um, in terms of going somewhere and playing two courses, because I know we have a Dream 18 situation up here, but yeah, in terms of going somewhere and playing two courses, um, you know, I think of like Kensington, Stony, um, Hudson Mills, Indy. I'm trying to think of where else. I don't know. Uh, there's something else I can't think, but yeah. either way. So before, yeah. before yesterday, I would think like Hudson Mills is probably like the champ of that situation, yeah. right? To like go for sure, not Stony. Yeah, no, not Stony. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to like go and play like two courses at one place, like Hudson Mills is definitely the champ. Yeah, because like both of those courses are sweet. Yes. Um, they've also been there for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like whatever um but when i was playing indie yesterday i was like this is also like a really good oh i lakeshore now has two courses oh yeah 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 yeah. um and i like those courses too yes so when i was playing indie i was like yeah this is a solid like two course place now as opposed to like playing the tournament there where you just kind of get through some areas like this is like a cool and i bet you you'll have like way bigger scoring separations now yeah on the on the 36 there than before yeah because you need to be much more accurate 
now than before so like the punishment is much more and the reward is much more yeah and i I think you get out of that like i just play this course all the time situation yeah because that's where like states would always piss me off Mm -hmm. because like i'm out there playing and like the courses are difficult but they're not so difficult that like you're not paying a serious tax for the fact that you don't play those courses all the time right we're like indie you still have to be, have like a, a good skill set, even if you play the courses all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I don't know, whatever. So I, I like the fact that like, okay, cool. Like this is going to be a much more difficult test of skills and not fall so much to the, why well, just play here all the time? So I know this shot. Right. Cause like all those little dinky, you know, back extra holes were a lot of like, oh no, I just know this shot. You know, yeah. I'm not playing a tournament with like the guy that plays yeah. that course all the time. And I'm like, ah, oh. this fucking guy. Yeah. So I think now, even if you play that all the time, like you got to be able to hit that fucking shot, which yeah. instead of just hitting like a 210 foot shot, now you're hitting a 360 foot shot. So, yeah. And if you're hitting that shot all the time, then you deserve great. to win. Yeah. Great. great for you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. So good job. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So then. Where, where would you put it in terms of like the two courses? Which course do you like better out of the two that we played? Mm-hmm. And then where would you put it in terms of like two course places? Um, well, the second part is I think it's second to Hudson Mills. Yeah. So like Hudson Mills is sweet. It's got more time. It's got everything's like definitive here. I think hopefully it's not done and it's still under construction, but out of the two there i think i had more fun playing the extra holes than the original stuff but i think that's just because it's new yeah and they're a lot better than what they were before not that they weren't fun before but they were just kind of like the your putt putt course that you go that's like a lot of fun to play but it's whatever yeah. now it's actually like a real shot real scoring real whatever um so i think I don't know how much of that factor is, but I like the new, the new 19, I guess, because however that's going to play out, however the holes are going to start, because we did kind of like an old tournament layout. I think he gave us. So like, I don't know where or where both hole ones, like, is it going to be hole one actually for both courses? You just split off into like, after you play hole two, do you just, then go right and play three and then do that loop or go to extra one and then play that loop or something. So right. both courses, hole one and two are the exact same or I don't know. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes sense to me, but I liked the, the extras a lot. They were yeah. a lot of fun. Even like the new extra one that's like 600 something feet. The only thing I don't like is just how the fairways cut right now. It's yeah. super narrow <laughs> and it's like thigh high, waist high grass that you just, that's where the landing zone is. You just crush it straight out into the long grass. Cause like where I was at was a perfect spot. Yeah. Like just to, you can see the basket, you can see the angle, but you could really easily lose your disc or not find it or whatever. Yeah. Or you could ask your buddy, Hey, did you find your disc yet? No, I'm just walking around for the fuck of it. Yeah. Well, the, when we walked up, it seemed like maybe it's just cause I saw it, but it just seemed yeah. like super obvious where it was at. So yeah. I thought, cause you just walked straight up over there and I was like, yeah. Oh, he saw it. And then I saw you walking around and yeah. I didn't know, like, so I was like, Hey, did you find your disc? And you're yeah. like, no, I'm just walking around. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and later on the second round or, uh, 
No, it was that round. It was the um, second to last hole that I did the same exact thing. You yep. were looking around, and I thought you saw it because I looked right at it because it was just right on the edge. And then as you were walking over, somebody else said something. You're like, oh, you're over here. And I just like, damn it. <laughs> Got so, him. Yeah. I don't know if karma is real or if that even falls into the category. So but. what about the two courses at Kensington? Because I've never played them. I know that's oh, shocking. True. I always get to like, really? I mean, I those are... Um, so where would you put those in the list of things? Hmm. That might be... I totally forgot about that. That might be above indie for me. Yeah. In terms of... Like if I'm playing two courses at once. Yeah. Because I really like... I forget which one's north, which one's south. So you have the original and then you have the new. And I like the new Kensington one a lot. Yeah. Um, And it's a lot of fun to play. And I think there's only one hole that i really don't like that much yeah but i feel like there's always just going to be that i feel like and even that hole it's not the same as b or x13 at indy yeah like there is a line it's just a weird little whatever that it's 290 feet and taking a three on it is like all right we're just going on to the next hole and if you do it it's like fuck yeah yeah and that's it um I think Indy and Kensington are probably really close. I think Kensington probably beats out Indy for me by like a little bit. Okay. And then Hudson is probably number one yeah. for me still. So it's a lot of fun. I think I haven't been there in a minute. Um, and then Lakeshore and then Stony. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because uh, Lakeshore is a good course, I think, to go shop for discs and then you get to go rip them and see what they do because there's very low risk of losing them like you can go <laughs> wherever the fuck you want yeah you might even see a gun show out there yeah like. <laughs> lakeshore's a good course yeah lakeshore's a good course to go out and work on your throw yeah you know what i mean like yeah. n- maybe not anything like super technical but it's a good place to go out and there's wind like mm-hmm. there's almost always wind out there like it's yeah. a good place to go work on like throwing and then dealing like what how your discs fly you know what i mean in that situation it's not really like the place to go work on like specific shots or technical stuff or whatever right right and like in the newer course like kind of a little bit but not really yeah like dan and kyle there's a couple holes out there that are a little weird yeah on the new i know dan and kyle like it a little more than before yeah um i know fred hates it he just hates lakeshore um but I like the new course. Yeah, I like, like the new course I like too. it a lot. Like I'll go out there like to play that one and then maybe the other one or something. Yeah. But I look forward to playing that. Like I like the wooded holes that they have because from the first time that I saw it, it was no line. And then now there's actually a line. You just have to hit it. Um, and then the longer holes are sweet. And then there's one like the tee shot's cool, but it kind of like fizzles really fast and how good the hole is because of what just comes after it. And it's basically just a big wide open hole, which is whatever. And then it's followed up with a weird tunnel shot type thing that uh, the biggest thing on that hole for me is how many stupid little stumps there are where it's just like, I'm walking almost rolled my ankle like 17 times just down this fairway. But, yeah. um, I like the layout of the, that hole a lot. Like that's probably one of my more favorite holes out there do you know which one i'm talking about that's playing down like the phone pole yeah. lines 
up and to the right. I like that a lot. I the, like the green a lot. The second one. Yes. Yeah. Not yeah. the first one out there. Yes. First one out there, you hit that gap, then it's an open bomber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then the, the other one, one is kind of a bomb that you throw into that. Yeah. It's whatever, basically a, a straight shot yeah. for, I think the whole length is like just shy of 600 probably. Yeah. And so you're trying to throw just like a 400 foot laser down the middle and then you still have a big shot that goes slightly downhill and then like kind of jays up into the right and yeah. then you have a really cool like undulating green type thing yeah. going on tumultuous the area yeah. with yeah. a basket yeah it's pretty yeah. sweet yeah yeah there's a few holes out there i remember just like ugh, like yeah. like bald mountain and it's just it being a young course yeah like you're just kicking little stumps and then like oh yeah. <laughs> oh god uh yeah it feels like somebody's like trying to attack you yeah but uh, yeah, I always think of uh, Lord of the Rings when they're uh, <laughs> shut up, okay? So Lord of the Rings, they're Explain. on a, they're on a journey through nature. Yeah. So why wouldn't this call remind you of Lord of the Rings? But when they're walking, do we need to get a second trophy that just is the ring? That's gonna be my wedding ring. It's gonna be the ring. Say one love to rule them all. That's it. This is who I am, bro. <laughs> It's just going to be the gold fucking ring. That's yeah. it. It's the wedding ring I've wanted my whole life. Anyways, at least since I saw the movies. But um, one love to rule them all. Makes sense, right? You, yeah. heard, you heard it here first, folks. So uh, anyways, yeah. but when they're walking by Mordor and they're like, there's the water in the ground and you look down in the ground and there's just all the like dead people yeah. in the ground. And then, like, if you fuck with them, they're, like, trying to get you. Mm -hmm. It's how I feel. Like, when I'm, like, walking through there, there's all these, like, stumps and stuff. And you're, like, yeah. walking and, like, everything's just <laughs> trying to like, grab you. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. And at some point, it's just going to take you down. And your 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 career, your and season's, then you're gone. Your season's yeah. dead. Yeah. Yep. Like, at any point, my season could just die yeah. right here on the ground and stay here. <laughs> Where'd your 2021 season go? It's laying out on the ground at Lakeshore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Bald Mountain's like that, too. But Bald Mountain... Because it's not so much grass. Mm -hmm. It's dirt. You can yeah. see those little fuckers better. Yeah, and they still get you. They still get you. Yeah. Where, where were we like, at? Yesterday at Indy, one got me twice. One on really? the way in, I kicked it. I was like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then when I was walking back out of wherever the fuck I was at, the same yeah. one. I'm like, ugh. Really? <laughs> I was like, god damn that thing. <laughs> yeah, it got me both on the way in yeah. and on the way out. That's hilarious. But, uh, yeah. So... From that, um, next year I definitely want to spend some time playing Kensington because I know a lot of people that really like those courses, and mm -hmm. I just don't. I just don't play them because yeah. every time I'm going to drive out to Kensington is to play Toboggan. Yeah. And then the rest of the year, the idea of driving, even though it's closer than a lot of places I go, I don't know. It just never crosses my mind. Mm -hmm. And I think also because I'm comp – this is going to be shitty, but it's who I am as a person. Because I'm competitive – then when people are like, let's go play Kensington, I just assume that they want to go play Kensington because they play it all the time. Yeah. And then I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to go play somewhere that you play all the time that I've never played before. But uh, I Instead just, of like, you probably play there all the time. I'm going to go beat you at your own course. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah. Like I'm playing with, like when people are suggesting Kensington most of the time, it's people that like skill set. We're pretty close. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, I don't need to give up that much of an advantage. You yeah. Know? So. That's funny. Um, and what I was going to say about Kensington earlier uh, I forgot to was I don't know how I, I know for a fact that the new course I liked a lot because in um, compare and contrast the new course looked a lot better 
because it was cut everywhere. Yes. So it was all new and they did it like a really good job and everything. And then you have the other course that, is, I mean, from my experience, is just absolutely notorious for just, I'd leave that place just wanting to murder people because I'm so angry. Like, that's the level of anger that I have because it's just, I don't want to give you any of my money. Yeah. Why am I giving you money? And if someone wants to shed light on, like, where the money goes, like, I'm giving the dude 2 $3 or whatever it is at the booth to play the course, where's that money going? Because yeah. I would assume... It's to the course and maintenance mm. and all that. Yeah. I don't know if that's wrong to say or think or feel. Yeah. But when it takes, from experience, 30 minutes plus to play hole one because you throw a decent shot that is slightly off of like the pack down path, which I think is totally viable to be in where a lot of people are going to go, if not way off to the right and way off to the left, we have thigh high grass where your disc is just gone. Yeah. Where like I know where it landed, I just can't find it. And then even from there to the basket is not a hard shot at all. It's just up and down in two strokes. And then you finally find your disc and you get up and down in two strokes. And then you go play the next hole. And then you're hesitant to throw it because you see all the long grass everywhere. Yeah. And then it's just the same over and over and over. And then you get to hole seven where the long pad is basically unplayable because the gap you have to hit is this big. Like realistically, it's four feet across because everything is so overgrown into the fairway that it's i'm just going to be throwing to the short pad so i might as well just go play the short pad anyways. and add one yeah yeah, and add one and not risk losing a disc because this doesn't even like it's a really cool shot to throw when it's maintained and you can throw a really cool because it's still a tunnel shot it's still very difficult but it's manageable and you have the ability to do it instead of like yeah you're just gonna have to throw a perfect shot and even still, like, you're yeah. likely just going to be hitting whatever. So there's a lot of animosity towards... Uh, but I've, I've found that with Metro Parks. Yeah. So, like, I've spent some time, obviously, going to all the different courses and stuff other than Kensington. But um, I've really started to pay more and more attention to it. And I found that, like, county parks, right? Like, Addison is a county park. Mm -hmm. um, Indy is a county park, right? And those, like, I feel like county parks do a lot more yeah. and are maintained a lot better and improve the course and do that stuff. And the Metro parks are the shit show. Yeah. Like, man, they didn't mow the grass since, you know, April. Yeah. And it's of last year. Yeah. And it's September. Yeah. Um, I find that to be the Metro parks. Yeah. I find like most County parks are like pretty well. Yeah. They're on top of it. Yeah. They're on top of it. So I don't know, like the Metro park system or whatever. Um, when I was playing the stony open, uh, I was talking with Bauman and he was talking about like, you know, cause it's a, it's a Metro park. So everything's public. So you can go through like their budget. Mm -hmm. He's like, and the amount of money they take in from the disc golf course, it's called disc golf adventure. Okay. Um, but whatever, however much money they take in, he's like, it's, I didn't, I didn't know that you could yeah, he's see like, that it's, information. It's fucking insane. He's really? like, they take in just a shit ton of money from the disc golf. How much? I don't know. I don't, okay. I don't remember. And I don't want to misquote it. Okay. You know what I mean? Cause I would misquote it by a magnitude of 10. Yeah. So if I was like, oh, it's 20 bucks and it was 200 bucks, where I was like, it's 200 bucks and it's 2,000. Or if I was like, it's 2,000 and yeah, it's yeah, 20,000. Yeah. Like yeah. a magnitude of 10 is a lot to fuck around with. So yeah. I remember the first number, but I don't remember the second number. Yeah. So I don't want to be off by 10%. It's a good amount of money. It was an astounding, like to me, it seemed like an astounding amount of money. Yeah. Um, And just like the lack of input that people have. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Is there a board? Like, any, I'm super ignorant on it. But like, 
is there a board like who controls metro parks like how does all that stuff work and whatever because it would seem like there's a lot of revenue generated from the disc golf community into the park and then like who like how do we get someone in a place that's actually a disc golfer you know what i mean is it steve who's actually just really into birds yeah and they like you know what i mean and they just like wedge the disc golf course (laughs) onto him yeah and so he's just kind of like i don't care blah 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 Yeah. yeah um i don't know but it seems really consistent across metro parks yeah that like you know, I don't know what that job is. I don't know what it pays. I don't know how you get it. But it would seem like there's enough underemployed disc golf people that, like, if you could be the disc golf guy for the Metro Park and it was, like, a 40 grand a year a job, mm-hmm. right, which wouldn't be, like, a great job by any stretch of imagination. But if you were making 40 grand now, having a shit job, and then you could have 40 grand, like, where you just do the disc golf course at Stony, like, yeah. If for a disc golfer, leans on the side of a pretty sweet job. Yeah, yeah. If you're not honestly, gonna, if you're not gonna, you know, like if you're not the breadwinner having to support kids, like it probably wouldn't be the worst thing going. Right. You know, um, and you could at least get someone in the community that like has some kind of understanding of what's going on or has their pulse on what people want or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I've found like the metro parks. It's just so frustrating. Yeah. Because it's the same thing at Hudson Mills. Yep. It's the same thing at Stony. Yep. You get out there and you're like, fucking Christ, man. Like, yeah. yeah. Fred made the joke one time uh, while I think it was while playing Kensington or something. It was a Metro Park. And he was just like, if you're the best disc golfer in Michigan, you're likely just the best Frisbee finder in Michigan, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're throwing farther than like 350, 400 feet or whatever, you're risking losing a disc in the middle of the fairway. Yeah. In a lot of places. And then it's like, sometimes it's really easy to find and sometimes it's it's hidden so well and you see like a nickel sized of the disc and the like if you happen to spot that size and you find your disc great or you're just looking for an hour and then you're just pissed and whatever it's yep. like totally viable shot and i i would have much rather just thrown a putter straight off the tee and played for par instead of why would i ever try to go for birdie on this hole? well it's, it's the crazy shit of like yeah. hole or like stony so whole, stony blue hole one yeah you're throwing out into basically an open space with danger on the right. Yep. And then you've got a couple sporadic trees on the left. And then you're throwing kind of into a little wooded cove. Yeah. With trees on the right the whole way down. This fucking shit show jungle situation straight in front of you. Yep. And the basket kind of right up there. Yeah. Even playing that hole, you're probably going to spend 10% as much time looking for your disc as you are on hole two, which is basically wide open. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not really wide open, but most of the hole is open space. Yes. You're going to spend more time on hole two. Yeah. Because hole one, your first shot is going to land in an area that even when it's all grown out, isn't too crazy. Yeah. And then your second shot, you know to avoid that jungle area. Mm-hmm. And if you throw it into that jungle area and when it lands in there, you're bitching and moaning about not being able to find your disc. Yeah. I'm always staring at you like... So you didn't know that this was like a fucked up jungle area yeah, that you should uh, never land in? Yeah. Like the risk is to land right. Yeah. Not in here. Yeah. So whenever people land in there, I'm always just like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is the risk of yeah, the hole. Like the short left side. Yeah. Like that every time I, I hate throwing that second shot because I play it just to hit the trees that are above the basket and plinko down. Yeah. And just hope I'm, I do that. So I'm past the short stuff. Yeah. So but when you throw the flex shot, 
mm-hmm. and it doesn't get over far enough or it doesn't hold enough and then just dies off into that stuff and then yeah. we're up there looking for your disc and you're like <laughs> it's yeah. like no really like yeah this is what it is yeah this is where you're trying to avoid when you yeah. took that second shot your thought process should have been like <laughs> i'll throw any shot to make sure i don't land here yeah that's it that's all yeah. you're trying to do is not land here yeah like go for the four yeah because no matter what if you don't land there it's a good shot you can yeah. get up and down from literally anywhere else yeah yeah literally yeah. anywhere else and so then yeah. like what was your what was the reward you were going for because this was definitely the risk mm-hmm. for sure yeah. because if you were going for the three from too far back and you couldn't hold your shot over or you couldn't get your forehand up enough or whatever it is you were playing for the three which where you were at was super risky this is that consequence yeah so while you're in here bitching and looking for your disc or you lost your disc or whatever it is this is really the only risk on this hole yeah so if you landed in it it's like there's a pond and when you land in the pond be like this water should be clearer yeah. so i can find my disc <laughs> no there's a pond there and you know when the when your disc lands in there you're probably going to lose it yeah um and that's kind of how i look at hole one so if you don't land in that little jungle space for the most part you find you walk up and find your disc even if it's yeah. in the trees even if you go in early on the right whatever like you lost one this year yep um and that'll happen if you go in like really early on the right but yep for the most part you can walk up and find your disc and it's fine and then hole two you throw that hyzer shot around the corner right or you throw the mm-hmm. flex over the inside corner and who fucking knows yeah who knows? It could land right where you think it's going to land, and then you walk up and spend 20 minutes looking for a disc that's five feet away from you. Yeah. And I, like, on hole one and two, that same patch of grass that's closer to one's basket. Yeah. Which I feel like is a pretty ideal landing zone. I wish they would just cut it. Like, I don't, or like. What, you mean on the out, on the back side of the jungle? By one's basket if he's cut so the... like when you oh, say so you tee off you have the big tree by the short basket you yep. have the tree further out that's kind of the aiming point for a lot of people and then just past that that whole area of grass there that's always like extra long i feel like needs to be cut are you all right so if i'm teeing off from hole two and i cut the corner yeah and i land over in that area yeah. is that the area you're talking about yes. or you're talking about the area by one's pad up to one's basket no 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 no. Like okay two like when i throw the flex back line over yes. yeah like i think all that grass just need, needs to be cut too yes. just because a lot of people are just going to be landing there anyways it doesn't to me add like any aesthetic other than it's like kind of laziness on but that so i think that that's the area that they ran over the baby deer Oh, on the course. Okay, I think specifically like that is where it happened. Gotcha. So the issue that takes place is you've got a few weeks during after whatever I don't know what it's called. Hunters will know, but yeah. like after they shit out their kids, yeah, you've got a few weeks that like they leave their kids hidden in tall grass to go and like get food and come back and whatever. Yeah. Um. So if the grass isn't cut before that time, then you have to deal with like there's fawns. kind of stashed away in the grass but if you keep the grass maintained before that time yeah then they just won't use that area yeah because it's not long grass right and if they're looking for long grass right and they're like they're gonna go there and be like shit this isn't long grass right i gotta go find long grass somewhere else right so i I always feel like there's like some date whatever that date is that like there should be like a huge orange like you know, rectangle covering four days on the calendar of like, let's make sure we mow all this lawn by this date yeah. and then mow it. 
at least every four to five days or a week, once a week after this yeah. for the next four weeks and we'll be clear from running over baby deer. Yeah. But instead, it's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. We missed that date. Well, we just won't mow till August. Yeah. And they're like totally cool with it. No problem. Yeah. Boom. No yeah. big deal. So I don't know. I wonder, like, there's a lot of things that I wonder. I get juiced up about it. But yeah. I wonder, like, what is the penalty for going out there with power tools? Right. Like, if I just went out there like a dick and put on, yeah. like, an orange reflective vest with my weed whacker and a can of gas. Yeah. And I was like, me. Yeah. And then, like, filled up my weed whacker. Me. Yeah. And you get a ticket for like what? Is, what, what how is, much is that yeah, ticket? What is and, it? What do they yeah. do? What, like, what realistically? Yeah, like, public nudity, I know in Texas, is a $75 ticket. Yeah. Because I know this because I got a ticket for riding my bike on the sidewalk downtown and I got stopped by an officer on his feet and he just like stepped in front of me. He's like, no. Yeah. And then he handed me a piece of paper and I was like, what's this? And he's like, you can't ride your bike on the sidewalk. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, and I went to court. The judge laughed at it. She didn't get, it was just like pay whatever. And I still had to pay a hundred dollars for it. Yeah. She was just like, I can't believe that someone actually just wrote you a ticket for it. Yeah. And it was a hundred dollars for writing that, and then it was seventy five dollars for like public nudity. Yeah, but um, yeah, like I've wondered that too, like going out and just doing it, and just like, oh shit, I didn't know I could do this. Right. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know the yeah. the Metro Park thing I don't get, and I don't understand because it's not like it doesn't generate revenue, and I think it's one of those things of like you're taken for granted and assumed that it's a uh, low priority to provide. Right. So like no matter what, well, no matter what, people are going to go play Stony and pay the three dollars a round or three dollars a day to play. And they're just going to do it whether they mow it or not or this and that. And people might bitch. But how much of the bitching actually makes it to the Metro Park? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption. We just start sending letters. Yeah. Five times a week. A hundred people. <laughs> no, like legitimately. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, we've talked about not you and I, but uh the other group as well with Fred and all that we've talked about yeah. sending sending emails letters whatever like hey like just complaining about how this and that and the other thing just multitudes of times yeah, yeah. because like emails are one thing mm-hmm. but physical letters because yeah. you're, you're 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 working for like the metro park is not a private industry mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it, it's part of like state regular like state government yeah so you have to open your mail yeah like if if you're if you're a government office, you can't be like junk mail, yeah. Or oh, I already know what this letter says and throw it out, yeah. Like I do at my house, yeah. Like you have to open it yeah. and go through it. So yeah. if you could get like a hundred, a hundred and fifty disc golfers to write like two letters and mail them a week, mm-hmm. like you know all the different areas to all the metro parks, like you might be able to get something done. Just right. straight like you know, just bombard. Right. And then whoever's in charge of the Metro park above the Metro park, you know what I mean? Like all the way up to whoever and just like keep nailing them with letters. Yeah. Cause that would get super annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and just be like, Hey, went out. Did you, maybe it's just a picture every week. Yeah. Here's the grass a little bit longer yeah. or, or just take the time to write, I don't know, seven letters or have seven people write seven letters and then just have those and just cycle them through. And they're sent by multiple people just on repeat. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something. It would be great. Yeah. Either way, like, cause, and I know I've talked about it before when I went to play Jonesboro, there was the two little courses and it was maintained so fucking well. And I enjoyed myself, even though it was a little like firefighters type E ish course, it was just a blast. Yeah. Cause like even the bad shots, it's like, I can still find my disc. The second shot, 
isn't any easier other than the fact like you have a chance at saving a stroke versus like I have to look and find my disc and I might not even have a shot because the I might hit the grass on my throw or something or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's just really nice to look at versus like you go and it's just a jungle. Yeah. And then you see they spend all the time in Kensington specifically, we've seen this um like around toboggan time and they have the giant mowers mowing fucking everything besides the disc golf course. Like all the areas that are never in use. Like alongside the runners that holy they'll like they've even gone in like um what is it that brush hog thing or whatever the hell it is and like go grind down some stuff and make it look really nice and everything it's like you guys want to go like a quarter mile up the road and go do that area it's like no we're told not to. It, it, you guys love wooded golf so yeah and grass and <laughs> not being able to find anything yeah you guys like <laughs> ripping your arm through tall grass yeah we've heard it yeah yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's that's something to like look into. Maybe that'll be our winter project. Yeah. Besides like getting in shape and working on our form and stuff. Maybe we'll just yeah. like actually track down the bureau the bureaucracy of like who we contact, how it all goes. Yeah. And then we could make said information well yeah. known. And then I'm sure. Yeah, and then be... even the worst case scenario, like what if we just go and do it and what could be the possible yeah, like what's the ramifications downside? Right. for it? Like yeah. what's the downside of it? Yeah. Um but I would think, yeah, like if you know, like the disc golf community is tight enough. Mm-hmm. If if I don't know if anybody's ever actually gone through and we can just research it to actually go through and find out who it is and then try to request meetings, you know what I mean? And then just absolutely hit them with a barrage of just like correspondence. Yeah. Emails, letters, like whatever it is, like go to the office, go to the office. Yeah. Find out it's Larry. Bring, and just send Larry yeah. all the letters. Yeah. Like, all right. Yeah. So who do I need to talk to so I can talk to the person above them? Yep. Okay. I need to talk to Jim. Great. Yep. Like take Jim a Starbucks. Be like, hey, Jim. Mm-hmm. I'm Darren. Uh, who do I need to talk to about this? Yeah. And he's like, well, it's complicated. Be like, I got all the time. Yep. You send me an email or whatever, or I'll just come back on Tuesday. Like, yeah. what day are you in your office? Yeah, literally anything. Great. Like, right. <laughs> it's a really long day, and what I got time. When, I, got when, when, all, I will put everything right. aside. When can I come back? This. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's there's got to be a way to actually like get get in the room with whoever it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think that that would be cool. But yeah, the 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 Metro Parks thing. All right. So, anyways. Dream 18 in Michigan only. Yeah. These situations for me um, are always difficult because no matter how much I play or travel in the year, mm-hmm. there's a certain lack of familiarity and then things bleeding together. Yep. You know what I mean? So like when I think of like States and Ludington, there's holes that I know that I really, really like. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck are they and what hole is it? Yep. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Like, I know Leviathan, the course. Yeah. And I know that there's holes on there that I really like, that I'm like, this is a sweet hole. Yeah. Right? What hole is that? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. For me, this kind of, this leads me down into a rabbit hole of uh, where I would kind of like to see worlds and how it takes place. Yeah. Meaning that I think that world should be like the minimum six rounds and you have three courses that you play on. So you have two rounds on each course. You do the best that you can. And your second round is try to either replicate what great round you just did and or better yourself on it. You have yeah. the chance of 
proving yourself on it, improving, doing it, like take revenge because you shot like a shit round and you're like, I know I can do better, whatever. And you have like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but say three styles of courses. So you have one that's more geared towards distance. So you can prove distance and some accuracy Mm -hmm. because it's the world. And then you have another course that's more wooded, so it tests more accuracy than distance. Mm-hmm. And then you have another one that's kind of a mix of everything instead of you have three courses that are just bombers. So the favor to win is the bomber, girthy, right? Or whatever. Or then you get into the woods. So, like, favorite is Cole Glazer, because I know Cole Glazer is good in the woods. He doesn't throw very far, even though, like, he does, he's got sneaky distance right. for sure. Um, but it's by it's by comparison. Yeah, right. exactly. So, and not that Girthy isn't good in the woods. He's proven that he can throw Thunderbirds five hundred feet on lasers in the woods, which is absolutely nutty. Firebirds, um, even. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, even crazier, um, because they fly like uh, I don't know rocks or something for him. I guess. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know, like a dream eighteen for me is having just like the mixture of everything, but even still it's like, I'd like wooded courses. I like more open ones that are like my dream 18 just kind of falls into how it looks Yeah, like whatever it is, it's just maintained really well. It's really pristine and it's the best use of land possible. So if we go to say like you could make star, like a dream 18 and you can do all the like make all the bells and whistles there and it's still two tee pads for nine baskets and you have like pavers that are perfect circles that you know whether you're in or out of said like jump hut range or whatever and then you have significantly better tee pads better signage that are just like really well made and they're really hard to destroy because people and shitheads are just always going to destroy them for what reason? I don't know. They're all eight year old need to do this for to really show their parent. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, nicely colored baskets because I really like. Um, I like the baskets at Hawthorne. The purple is really cool, but being able to see the baskets from the tee pad is practically impossible because they're black. So having nice contrasting powder coated, like bright orange or bright yellows or whichever, pick a color like pink, you can do bright pink, whichever, and having that stand out in the wall of nature in the background. Like those are things that I think of, of a dream course, Yeah. because I think we need to at least get that. And then being able to build a dream 18 out of holes is really hard because there's a lot of other things for me aesthetically is going to make it sweet like what makes it equivalent to an a tier like pga tour course yeah because on there like i'm sure there's a lot of courses that i've watched and seen where it's like this course is fucking sweet and like 100 percent finished and then there's another one that's the exact same but in a different way and then there's a third like multiple yeah so i think being able to just complete a course actually and having i don't know regulation baskets regulation tee pads regulate like some degree of like signage and distance and whichever and then um a way to always be able to know like whether you're in the circle or not versus like 
am I outside and I can jump HUD? And then like you're eyeballing it and then they uh, eyeball it and then they agree with you because you want to jump HUD. That's why you're asking. And then they're like, yeah, okay, you can jump HUD it versus like walking it out. You just have like a definitive circle around the basket where it's like, you don't have to ask. You yeah. just know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a big thing for me. Yeah. For me, um, it's just, it's just hard to like pull, pull holes out of places and put it together. I know holes that I really like. I know courses that I really like. Um, unfortunately, I think like I, I more get into like the course than I do the hole. And when I'm playing holes, like where this idea comes from is definitely when I'm out playing a hole, I'm thinking if I could make a course of my favorite 18 holes, this would be a hole that's on it. Yeah. I just never store that idea to my long-term memory. Yep. Um, but <laughs> when I was out at hunts, when we went out, when I went out to play it, like the first time I remember, like I would get on the tee pad and then I'd go up and like kind of walk to get an idea of like where I'm going, what's going on. And I was just thinking like, this is fucking cool. And then the next yeah. hole is completely different. Mm -hmm. And then like this whole, like, Oh shit, the way that they used this was really awesome. And then, Oh, I have this hole and I have that hole. And the, as I was going through it, I was just thinking like, yeah, mm -hmm. like they had this whole huge plot of land. They went through and made all these different kinds of holes. They did all this different stuff. There's a lot of different kinds of tests, but also just looking at the holes is really pleasing. Yeah. And then like where you're throwing from to where you're going and what's around that and all that stuff is like really nice. Yeah. And I really liked like, as I was going through, I was like, okay, cool. Like the one that really sticks out in my head is hole four. So when I like, one, you throw out, you don't want to be too far to the left and you don't want to one, go out of bounds to the right. Two, three. Then, oh, you're gonna, yes, then yes. you're going to throw that hyzer up around to the basket, right? Mm -hmm. Probably land behind the bush like I do every fucking time or throw, yeah. throw it in. Yeah. Uh, one of the two. And then two, I really like, I really like hole one. Mm -hmm. I really like hole two. Yeah. Right. Three is the double island. Yep. I like hole three. Yeah. Right. Um, but when I get to hole, when I got to hole four, I was like, that's super cool. Yeah. Like I like the... The tee shot isn't just to like bomb it out. Right. You kind of have like a lane that you're trying to hit out in that opening. Yeah. I realized you're late, throwing an accurate distance ish shot. Right. Like, and you don't want to go past the little pine trees because that's the out of bounds, not the tall grass. Yeah. Um, you definitely don't want to do that like in a tournament. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I like that shot. And then when you land there and you turn to the left as you get to your shot, you're like, oh shit, now I got this whole completely different thing than the first shot to mm -hmm. deal with on the second shot. Yeah. And then as you get up there, you learn like all of this is slippery when dry and there's these little phantom branches that are going to try to fuck you. And if you'd like saw it off going into there, you could slam into a tent on the, you know, like whatever, <laughs> all the things that have yeah. happened the different times I've played that hole. But it's really cool that like you throw one shot on this hole. That's like this specific thing. That's a good shot. There is a chance that you could line up and throw the big shot and actually get down in there to the left and get down at the bottom of the hill and have a putt for it too. Yeah. There is that shot. If somehow you can get the angle right and do all that, like there is that reward if you want to do it. Yeah. Um, it's not for me cause I don't have that much of an arm, but yeah, like I, I really like when I got to that hole, I was like, wow, that's super fucking cool. And I really like that hole. I like the way that it plays. There's a few holes out there that I think of like that. Yeah. But I don't have anything like Southeast Michigan wise or even Michigan as a whole. Like Michigan as a whole, but even in Southeast Michigan, where I'm like, yeah, these are the 18 holes. There's mm -hmm. courses that I like playing because they specifically challenge me in a certain way, or I like the flow or the rhythm of the course or whatever. 
unfortunately, I spend more time logging in my brain like points of frustration when I'm playing a course due to lack of maintenance. Yeah. Of like, I really like playing that course, but now I'm not going to probably play that course for the next three months. Yeah. Because like, I'm just going to go out there and fucking lose it. And then inevitably, like four weeks later, I kind of forget about that. And then I go back out there. And then right when I get out of my car, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. why. And then you don't leave because you already drove all You're the way out here. Yeah. You're already there. Yep. I'm ready set up to play. Yep. Um, and then I'm thinking like, yeah, that's why I didn't come out here. And then I'm just like frustrated and pissed. Yeah, I do the same thing. I think there's a group of us that do the same thing. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. So I try to take extra note of positive things. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a, po- in, I'm a positive guy. Yeah. It's not yeah. that I'm not, I'm just right. thinking like my, my actual like notes that I'm taking on a course of whatever it is, is more of like, I really like playing that course and it's really unfortunate that it's so like unpleasant to play right now Yeah, because it is a nice course. Yeah. Because and, if it were maintained more right. frequently, then I would come out here more like Kensington. Kensington is that, um, and that's why it was even more frustrating yeah. for us because it's like hole one suite, like on the original court, North Course, say, and wanting to throw like the big shot to try to get there up there or whichever versus just like throwing down to the am pad. Yeah. You want to throw over everything and try to get somewhere. And you know, I mean, you're taking the risk then of just losing your disc, even if it's still like a decent shot. So it's. Yeah, it's it's the same feeling for me. Like I get there, and then it was just like you can't see it really, like so, until you pay or whatever. We have the state coordinator and stuff, right? So we have like yeah. different commissions for the MDGO, mm-hmm. right? Is there a position of like park liaison? I don't know. Maybe this is a thing that like we should have as like our governing body, that we have someone on the board who's elected, mm-hmm. right? Who then their job is like. Metro Park liaison mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. Right. So that way, like you're coming from the actual governing body of the state. Yeah. And be like, I'm here representing 10,000 people. Yeah. Instead of like some random person going up there and being like, Hey, I don't like the way the disc golf course is. Yes. Um, if we had someone actually representing like the organization of the state of Michigan's disc golfers, like mm. could they go and then like, that office, right? That nameplate, whoever's name's on it, that nameplate always exists. Yeah. So they can count on a consistent interaction with someone on an annual basis. Yeah. And actually build that relationship between the legitimate governing body. It's not really a governing body, but the legitimate office of Michigan Disc Golf and whoever the legitimate office is of metro parks even if that even if the state coordinator it's not the state coordinator but let's say like the park liaison has to then like communicate with each individual director of each individual metro park at least then you have some point of contact it would be better if like they were able to communicate with like whoever the person is that's in charge of all of those people mm-hmm. because i think that that would like help to like move things forward yeah because you like guaranteed there's not the guy in that position who's like fighting for the disc golf course all the time yeah. You know what I mean? There's not a guy there like, hey, can we use the mowers on Wednesday? Right. Like, hey, you know, like we would really like it if we could get like two more mowing days a month. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what do we have to do? Like, how can we do, you know what I mean? Like, there's not that guy. There's someone who's in charge of like mowing. 
Yeah. Or I, I mean, I don't know. And they're just like, ugh. Like, yeah. You know? And I, t- I totally meant to do something like that at one point. Uh, again, like around Deglo time of just like, there's a dude mowing and just stopping and just stopping the guy and ask him a few questions just to see. Yeah. Because it was something that was like driving me nuts. Um, every time to go play and practice and whatever. And they're mowing like everywhere besides these places. And then if I could just go to one of the guys who's getting instructed by someone like, Hey, why don't you guys mow like black locust or like to buy, or like, why is it mowed in this way or whichever? Or is yeah. it like they tell you to go mow and you just decide to mow one mower width down the fairway yeah. or do they tell you to just mow one mower width down the fairway or whatever the fuck it is so, yeah or is there um, any oversight or are, right. you, or are you just coming right. in and the guy's like did you mow and he's like yep mowed it yeah sweet cool yeah thanks Done. bro check yeah. the box yeah nice yeah i don't know and anyway, we got, yeah, i gotta i, I gotta get, get off that obviously like yeah it, it, it pressures me i worked on a grounds crew when i was in high school mm-hmm. at a golf course at franklin hills country club um and yeah, like the attention, one, it's a private club. Mm-hmm. Those people are paying a lot of money to be members for that golf course. They want that golf course to be really nice. Yeah. Um, so like the attention to like detail and all that stuff is like very specific, right? Like where the fairway is going to be. Like you're dealing with different different breeds of grass, like all this right. kind of crazy shit. Um, and then how often it's mowed, how long it is, right? Like when they have like a right. P- PGA major coming up or something on that course, like they change the way the course is maintained mm-hmm. because like you want the rough to be really rough and you want right. the greens to be really fast and, right. and you're doing all this stuff to like change it. Um, that's not what we're looking for, but we're just looking for some kind of like general maintenance. Yeah. Cause we don't need sense. that. Cause our, right. like, even though they have action on the ground, it's not the same as ball golf. Right. Like when they're putting, they're on the green literally. <laughs> right. But it would yeah. be, it would be sweet. I mean, like if you got to like a completely different level, it would be sweet to like be able to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like when you're talking about worlds, I'm thinking of it in terms of like ball golf, like your thing of like, yeah, let's have a bomber course, right? Like just a straight bomber course. Mm-hmm. Let's have like a straight wooded course. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a real course. Mm-hmm. Not yes. like, like that's like a, an actual, not like, whole B over and over and over. Right. Or yeah. not like a deuce or die course. Yes. Cause it's fucking worlds, yes. but like have like a legitimate, like wooded course. And then the third course, you know, like making that into something else right like a combination of the two or whatever it is you can manipulate the, that with out of bounds you know what i mean like they mm-hmm. do the usdgc like yeah. usdgc is neither a bomber course nor a wooded course on any given day it depends how they set the course up yeah so you could do the same thing with like the third challenge whatever that is it could just be like a super crazy like usdgc style accuracy course yeah. of not accuracy because you're hitting lines but accuracy on like you need to land here yeah. You need to land there or your OB or in hazard or stroke and distance or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can manipulate the course besides just putting ropes down. You know what I mean? Like, so easy case scenario in my brain would be like stony blue. So if stony blue is like well-maintained all year. And then you're like, we're going to have the stony open mm-hmm. right in October. So then maybe at that point, all the baby deer are already grown up and running around and everything. Mm-hmm. But maybe then like August, you just stop cutting the rough. Yeah. So then when you do actually get there to play the tournament, it's like, oh, the rough sucks today. And it's like, yeah, for this tournament. Yeah. On purpose because yeah. they want you to land fairway or be punished. Yeah. Because this is like a, a like a serious tournament. Yeah. And, and the course is meant to be played much harder. Much harder yes. today. And yes. we, we've mowed the fairways 
shorter and narrower than normal and mm-hmm. like actually have like some influence on that like that would be like a dream yeah but like actually have something of like okay we have this tournament coming up so we're going to start to like manicure the fairways smaller mm-hmm. we're going to stop mowing the rough completely yeah so that way when you get there in october it's like man throwing from the rough sucks yeah but you know that it's on purpose yeah and like the course like made that decision it's not like when it just sucks for months and you're like yeah it's because they don't maintain it yeah. Then you would see in August, like as the fairway started like shrinking down and the rough started growing, you'd be like, yeah, we're getting ready for the open. Yeah. That would be super, like, that would be like, you know, crazy to think of, but that would be like super cool. Yeah. You know, like that you could actually like manipulate the course and stuff besides just putting ropes and flags and lines up everywhere, but actually like grow out the rough. So it does fucking suck when you land there and you have to throw. Yeah. Right. And, and whatever. But, um, yeah, so in terms of Dream 18... <laughs> yeah, I have to write something down real quick. Okay. In terms of Dream 18, I don't necessarily have um, an answer. I'm not that person. But I do have an idea. Mm-hmm. And the idea that I have is... And we have an entire winter. An entire winter to put something together. Not just us. Mm-hmm. But the viewers of the podcast. And the idea that I'm coming up with right now is... Southeast Michigan, because I live in Troy. Um, so I'm going to say an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yes, hour and a half. Let's say hour and a half. Um, and then you, you can always weigh in, and maybe we'll check out online like how far an hour and a half is away. But I want to put together an 18 holes. Dream 18, if you want. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it that. Within an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Put the course together. What are the 18 holes? And then play it for score mm-hmm. throughout the year next year. Okay. So you can go and play each hole. You have to play the course to play the hole. Okay. And then once you've played all 18 holes, you register your score. Okay. So and if you eight, you have eighteen courses, eight, no, from just eighteen here. holes from yeah. whatever courses. Okay. Yeah. But say it's one hole from eighteen courses, though. Say. Let's just say. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have to play all eighteen courses the whole way through, and at the end of all that, you take your dream eighteen holes that you've picked and you put them on a completely different scorecard. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I like that. So let's say one is. Um, what i don't i don't even know so you what are the two at uh ccr at birchfield you have river's edge and, and renegades trail yes yeah okay so let's say you're, you're playing like the really long crazy one at renegades trail yeah quadruple circle 10 yeah my lifetime score really so, no it's the first time i ever played it nice. blind in that tournament with, with ty alfano <laughs> anyways um worst worst hole i've ever played so <laughs> not because of the hole because of scoring but yeah, let's yeah. say all right so you're like all right that's on the 18 yeah so if I, I have to drive out to Birchfield mm-hmm. and I have to play Renegades Trail, right? Straight up. Yeah. I'm not playing Partners Best. I'm not ta- playing Cali. I'm not taking three drives off the tee pad. Yeah. I'm going up. I'm playing the course. And on that hole, I shot a six. Yep. Okay. When I get done, I can't be like, oh, I'm going to replay that hole. Right. No. You play the round. That's it. Yep. You're done. You got your score for the round, and then on your second scorecard, you have a six to start. Right. Yeah. 
So then if you don't want to have a six on that hole for your Dream 18 score, mm-hmm. you have to play the whole course over again mm-hmm. to play that hole again. Yep. So there's no like cherry picking holes. If, mm-hmm. if hole six, it's I don't know, whatever. I don't even know. I'm just going to pick but like hole six at Stony is on your fucking Dream 18. You have to play the whole course. What, so what if what you played on six is your score, and if you want a different score, you have to play the whole course again. Yeah. Yes. So what if? Um, I'm not playing fuckers that are driving out to some hole and playing the hole twelve times in one day. Right. And they're like, well, that one time I got a three. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not down with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be something that's going to be hard to manage. Uh, so it, I think it'll be like it's a, just honesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just be honesty. Honest. So, uh, for those who don't know, there is a Discord. I know you're not a part of it, but I have a Discord that's going and there's a couple handfuls of us in there and it's open to you guys as the fans and it's in every description so if you want to join whichever and i really like discord i'm a huge advocate for it so if as you and i and the people who follow this and say we all come up with a general consensus of this 18 for us and then eventually it's all played like whether we all happen to do it together because i mean that's a possibility but unlikely or throughout the year and then there's a deadline that you can finish this scorecard like we come up with a scorecard as the group of people and there's hole one stony blue all the way through hole 18 at toboggan or whatever whatever it decides comes to be then there's that scorecard that's posted on facebook and discord and twitter instagram whatever yeah and eventually like throughout the year you can update your score and then at whatever the deadline is, whoever's got the best score across the board, say wins, whatever. So what it like, is this like this weird tournament of five bucks to enter? Like, I feel like that's a reasonable thing for like dealing with people who are honest and maybe some people are being weird. Hopefully not. Um, that at the end, there's like this pool of money that gets divvied up maybe. Oh, it's gotta be a straight trophy. Yeah. We're not playing for cash. Okay. It's a trophy. Okay. Because it, like the amount of time, energy, and effort you're going to put into it, like yeah, it's going to cost you a couple hundred dollars worth of gas. Yeah. So if you win a hundred dollars, okay. I mean, whatever. I'm yeah. just thinking like I think it'd be something that'd be pretty sweet. So we oh, have this 100%. dream eighteen that's played, and the stipulation is so like whole one of dream eighteen is stony hole one blue, not that's, actually, right. but in this theory, hypothetical. Yes. This example. Um, yeah. To get that score, you can play that hole as many times as you want but you have to play stony blue all the way through as many times as you want that that is yes so if your best score or if like the first time you play is a six and you want to improve on that you can come back out tomorrow and replay the whole round and you get a five on it sweet you can change that score now from a six to a five this is my question yes yes so once you complete the 18 and you've played all 18 holes, mm-hmm. that doesn't lock your score is what you're saying. So now to improve, I have to play all 18 holes again. You're saying by the end of the year, you're posting your best score for each of the 18 holes because it's two different ways to play it. Mm-hmm. You're saying that, right? Yeah, I'm saying that the the, the final scorecard, you have all 18 holes yep. in. They're yep. not locked in. You can then keep look updating at, it. You can keep updating it. So if you're looking to improve, like you suck at, right? You're down by hole, one. You suck at hole five on toboggan. Yep. Say, and it's this little whatever, and you keep 
foring it for whatever and you're like i know i can just do this thing yeah but the drawback is you have to play the whole round yeah. to then be able to try to improve on that specific hole yeah so really like in a like in a few months time you finish your 18s card but now you're playing this other scorecard down here and this one is strictly toboggan and you're looking for hole five you're only playing on this scorecard here hole five but you're having 18 holes here Mm -hmm. So I think that this scorecard can be interchangeable because you're trying to improve on a whole. So this is your best. Yes. So what you're saying is every time you play all 18 holes, you're not starting over. No, the like dream you do, 18. Right. Okay, like I think you can take, you can look at a hole and you're like, I want to improve my score on this hole. For so, my I'm gonna dream go play 18, so I'm going to go play this course. Yes. Yes. I'm down. Yeah. I'm I think, down. I think that's actually a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, so like ideally, like I think scores are going to be, like pretty phenomenal or like people's best or whatever. So actually winning this said trophy, as long as people aren't like cheating and being weird little fuckboys about it, yeah. that that would be a really cool thing. And I hope that people would get on board of this idea and keep it honest for that specific reason, because I think it is actually a really cool idea. Yeah. So maybe we can brainstorm. Maybe Rob can help us out. He's supposed to help me out with some putting for discord this winter at some point hopefully yeah and i think he'd be like the number one candidate to yeah i think that it would be cool the other thing would be um you know you register for it yeah right like you know we don't have like an actual you're not kicking in paypal yeah. or something like that but i think you register for it and any like none of the rounds can be solo rounds so even yeah. if it's someone else that's not in the thing yeah you know what i mean like yeah. You gotta have you gotta have, and then it can be tracked there. through UDisc or the PDGA scoring app or whatever right. it is. I think that would be a good way to keep the honesty. Is actually have um, so like say in Discord you, we have the the Dream eighteen thing because you haven't used Discord ever, right? Right. Okay. So you have these text channels that are in there, just like like basically on Facebook, it's the same thing as pages. Mm -hmm. So you have the Dream eighteen page or channel whatever you want to think of it as and then at the top it's posted like so you can grab it and fill this 18 in yeah and then when you're updating it you're updating basically two things at a time you're re-uploading your 18 with the score of that hole but you're also having the uh the share image that's on udisc up there to show like i played all 18 and then here's my score for this hole, which is then put into here yeah so the other thing I'm thinking of is after a certain point in time, you have to go with someone else in the competition. Mm -hmm. So if there's 20 dudes, right, then we just have like a, a board or whatever it is that you like post to like, yeah, hey, I want to get out to play Renegades Trail next week. Who's available? What days? Yeah. And then get because part of it's going to be road tripping anyways. Yeah. Like you're not going to want to drive an hour and a half there, hour and a half back by yourself anyways. Yeah. And that'd be easy to do. So at, and even like just on Facebook and in Discord, if people are all a part of that, hopefully you'd be a part of the Discord. So you can then just post in there. Right. I'm looking for whatever who's down. And right. And people are going to chime in and whichever. Right. Because ideally, like, yeah, if you can get two people from the competition out there the whole time. Yeah. Like that would be ideal. So if we set it up that there's 20 people or 40 people or whatever it's going to be, like you should be able to grab. And then one, it'll force us all to play. Like everybody who's going to enter this is probably pretty serious about playing anyways. Yeah. Right. Because you're not going to fucking travel around to all these goddamn courses and play yeah. if you're not really serious about disc golf. Right. Because 
ideally, I think it's it's going to be closer to 18 different courses than yeah. just it'll one pro- course of 18 holes. Right. It'll probably be well over 12 courses. Yeah. So I'm thinking God, like... Think of the pressure when you finally get but, to that hole. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that's why you have to play yeah. the whole course. Yeah. And that's why it's like straight up. And the other thing is, is like, yeah, like I drove out here today because like this is the one that I'm losing on. Because you'll be able to yeah. see everybody else's scorecard. Yeah. So you're going to know like hole 14 on the Dream 18 is a birdie. Yeah. And you're going to drive the fuck out to the course. Yeah. And you're going to be like, I got to leave here with a two on this hole. Yeah. Because I can't lose a stroke there. Like yeah. there's going to be some holes that yeah, like. Yeah. And you can play that course. Like if you're out there for that hole, right, you can, play you the can course stay four all day. Times. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like, yeah. Like you're out there and you're like, yeah, I'm just, I, I got to get a two out here today. Yep. And then, you know, if you play it in first round, you get a two, you're like. <laughs> Yeah, and even still, like, you have all day, and even then, you only have X amount of daylight, so you have, essentially, all daylight to do this. So, like, when it, yeah, so when it's, like, and if you can't finish the course, it's out. it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah. So, I don't care if you're finishing it with glow or what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, you have to finish. You have to play out all the holes. Yes, and you need witness. And I also see some shit talking. Yeah, I also see some shit talking on the board because, like, if I know that some sorry motherfucker has to drive all the way out to Holt, Michigan, for like the twelfth time this year, <laughs> and he's trying to look for people to carpool with him, I'm gonna be like, "You sorry <laughs> son of a bitch!" Yeah, yeah, you know. And it's gonna be great because I th- like I, one of the holes is gonna be like up north. Well, it's an hour and a half away. Yeah, I think an hour and a half circle is good. An hour and a half circle. Yeah. Okay. We and we can vote on it. We can we can we okay. can definitely take a vote on it. Yeah. But I think like an hour and a half, two hours would be the max. Okay. Because so an hour so and a half. So two hours from Troy gets us how far north? I don't know. We'd have to look on a map and actually draw like on a map, like put a circle. Like how big is that? Right. What courses are in there? Right. And all that. So we can do a search on UDISC within what is it, 120 miles or 130 yeah. miles or 100. And we're going to do it by miles, obviously not by time. Yeah. But we'll go from X, whatever the center point is going to be. And then be like so many miles out from here and then list because we have the winner to put this together. Yeah. List all of the courses that are on that that are inside that circle. Yeah. And then from those courses, we'll all vote on, put together an 18. What are those 18 holes? Solidify it mm-hmm. and then get the list of all the people who contributed to like developing the 18, whatever, and that want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Get those people locked in, vote on what we're playing for. And then from there, set up a system of the fine details of like what constitutes a legal score on the whole. Yes. Do you have to play with someone else in the competition for it to count? Or is just another player good enough? Because I'm not, I'm not doing solo rounds. I don't care. Like even when it comes. Yeah, I'm down for you. If you're going to play a solo round like this and like the like. I want to go do this today, and I can't find anybody. Yeah, I think you're just kind of SOL. Yeah, you're SOL. Yeah, it is what it I, is. I think, at, like bar minimum, one person. Yeah, at all, and they don't have to be part of the competition. Yeah, but I think it's enough to keep you honest. And then, what you have to do is have that person on the UDISC app, so like it has to be kept track on whatever, and then you be able to share that with whichever. Yeah, and if. If one of the holes is on firefighters, say, and then your second person is like they just threed across the board, maybe they did. That's totally likely. Yeah. But I feel like there'd be like some shenanigans. I don't know. Like, yeah. 
I just think you have to have a witness. Yeah. And I don't think yeah, that it's yeah, something yeah. shady and I don't think it's something that whatever, but I think like just having to do something with someone else there because yeah. this is a tournament. Yeah. And like you never play a tournament by yourself. Right. So I'm not saying that like anybody's more likely to cheat if no one else. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You have to have somebody there. Yep. And they have to like they have you have to have a witness. And then I think at some point in the season, you have to have someone else there who's in the competition. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. So like if the season, if this actually is like crowned in August, mm-hmm. right? Like after June 15th, all of your rounds are with someone else in the competition. Like the last six weeks or whatever it is. I'd like to see enough people get in on this to be able to say that the people that you're playing with have to be in the competition that's what i'm saying yeah yeah that they, ideally like just, yeah that's what i would like because one it yeah. would force us all to play together yeah which would be cool because then like i would be playing with people that i don't normally play with yeah who or I have first met like right. uh, maybe there's somebody who's listening that we've never actually met before which would be sweet and thank you if you're one of those people yeah um that getting in on that would be would be awesome because then you're just playing a tournament for 18 rounds minimum yeah which is sweet or a hundred rounds or right. whatever. And it, it would like, also get us all to like know each other yeah. and also get us all to like see each other's game. Yeah. So if Larry all of a sudden is like, oh, I deuced hole two on Sony Blue. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, dude. Yeah. Like the day we went out and played, I didn't see you yeah. get over and three. And then Tommy's like, no, I played. And he fucking threw that yeah. thing in. Yeah. And it was insane. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. And you probably post instantly. Like I just deuced oh, hole yeah. two. Oh, for sure. Like, And deck. I think that that stuff will happen and prob like i think if we're gonna put money into it at all it would probably just be like an ace pot then i don't know well no you'd put money into it because someone's got to pay for the trophy or the heavyweight belt well yeah yeah yeah. or whatever the fuck it is that we're gonna do yeah yeah but uh i don't know there's a lot of stuff to work out yeah, but, in that situation, like then, like you have just the running board. Yeah, so I'm getting that, all like jittery about this. I know. This. So like, that, this I, is the, I'm really excited about this. I would post my video of my throw in, right? Like I just threw in on hole two at Stony. Yeah, or even if like you aced, it's like sh- I can't like go get it. I have to like, right? Hey, right. like, hey, fuckers, whatever. Yeah, yeah. and then take. like here's this guy I'm playing with. He was a witness to it. And yep. He's like, yeah, he's like what? And then they walk up, and it's yep. the ace or whatever, and you yep. can just post that shit right in Discord or whatever it yep. is instantly sweet. yeah like you're all on notice bitches yeah exactly i just got the two yeah this fucking sick roller yeah um, oh shit. yeah i think that that would be awesome okay. and i think that would be a cool i tried to do a thing of like um course dominance last year i tried to set uh, last year or two years ago with the team mm-hmm. where like we kept track of everyone's score on all the courses and then you got um a point for each course that you had the course record on for the year on the team and then whoever won the most courses won a prize, right? You'd have like first, second, and third. Um, and so then you had like, my idea was like, yeah, you know, like somebody's going to shoot a, a round on a course and it's just going to kill the course, right? Like if you go out and shoot a 47 on Stony Blue, right? Like I'm not really going to be compelled on Saturday morning to get up and play Stony Blue because I'm thinking like, dude, the odds of me ever shooting a 47 are probably really slim. Mm-hmm. But I know that a 46 at Spindler, if I can just get like these shots together, I can do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then like I'm going to play my like my practice rounds, casual rounds other than tournament prep are going to all be at Spindler because I'm going to try to fucking beat that score and try to get it. And like it was my idea 
I got it going early in the season. And then I just found out that most people don't really play a lot of different courses. And the interest in it was like zero. Really? Yeah. Because if it wasn't like firefighters, river bends, you know what I mean? Like the handful of courses that people play, like it's just not it. Yeah. Like the the number of people going out to play rolling hills and all that stuff on the team at that point was like kind of limited. So now we have a much bigger team and uh, there's a lot more people that like travel a lot more to play a lot more. So it might be like something valuable, but I like the idea of the dream 18 better anyways, because then it doesn't like, it takes care of it on its own because yeah. you have to go and play the fucking course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you said, it's a dedication thing. Like, you know what you're signing up for, yeah. like getting involved into something like this. So yeah. you're serious about it to whatever level it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all year. Yeah. So it is what it is. I think that that, that'll be a great, great yeah. fucking And maybe, um, I'm glad I remember just now too, is like maybe we can do like a dry run type thing. Like I know you don't play in the winter really. I don't really play in the winter so much. Um, but maybe we can get like a small one going just to like test it out and see maybe. I'm not sure. Um, however many of you are interested in something like that. Um, just to maybe like work out some kinks and shit and yeah. whatever, um, and just see kind of what it would really play out as. So maybe the, uh, the radius of like what's in, what the distance is for out, all the courses or whatever, or if it's like a group of us in Southeast Michigan playing like Riverbend, Stony and whatever, and we pick like say four courses and then we just have, uh, the first couple holes at whatever course, second set of holes other course so on and so forth and then go from there so it's a much more simplified version leading up to like the real shit yeah maybe i don't know yeah the easiest one and i would want to stay away from it is a whole one or a whole two on a course yeah because you can just keep playing that hole over and over and over and over again and yeah. then when you shoot sweet on it then yeah. just be like well, well just play out the rest of the round yeah and it's going to be what it's going to be. I mean, like, there's going to be strategy to it no matter what. Yeah. I, I think that you can't just start over on hole one or hole two. Like, once you're going, you're going. Maybe. Well, if it was me and it was hole three. Yeah. I would just play one, two, and three. And just keep yeah. playing one, two, and three until I fucking kill yeah. three. And then play out the rest of the round. But that's where you get to, like, if it's Yeah, hole. but I don't think you can do that. Like, I think when you're starting around, you're starting your round. Like, why would you be able to restart? If it's a shit round, you can't restart. I don't know how you're. There might have to be like. Yeah, there's gonna. I know. I know that it's gonna be hard to regulate that. Yeah. So it'll fall onto honesty, but I, the idea, or the ideal would be when you start your round and you're playing for hole one. Yeah. And you biff it, dude. That fucking sucks. Yeah. But like, just like in a tournament, if you fuck up hole one. What are you going to do? Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think it just depends on the course because yeah. really like stony, right? Like if it was stony blue hole one, yeah. right? Like you're not going to two it. Right. So you're going to get the best is like a three, right? You're going to get a three on it eventually. Yeah. So there's no real advantage to like continuously yeah, playing. Some people one. could to it, but I mean, that's not uh, a viable two other than like amazing shot, amazing luck. I mean, like everything went right and you th threw it in. Right. Sick. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll just have to figure it out. Yeah. But that's enough of the Dream 18. So yeah. what's the Dream 18? I think we're on to something. What's the Dream 18 in Michigan? I don't know, but we're going to put together a Dream for Southeast Michigan. Yeah, and, then, and you guys are going to be involved, hopefully. And, and then we're going to play involved. you on it. Yeah. Um, and I've been in challenges before 
and uh i'm a relentless participant and competitor like yeah it'll be sweet i fucking spent i don't know hundreds of hours throwing for aces at firefighters for two different challenges one for more most aces in a year and then most holes mm-hmm. and the aces in the year i got 34 and then most holes i got 12 holes yeah and that was like so many days yeah of seven in the morning yeah. i'm fucking out there yeah. and i'm just like i'm gonna fucking yeah. win. imagine you lived in the gazebo house how many more it would have been probably not many (laughs) i could have lived on the course it probably wouldn't have been too much more um yeah i think getting over 12 holes at firefighters in a year is like gangster ass shit because then you gotta you gotta really hit like one of the tricky ones you know what i mean like hole four isn't that far of a hole but like throwing for aces on hole four is a giant pain in the ass oh yeah because not only do you have the river, but like there's almost always a headwind on that hole. Yep. Like it's just so whatever. Yeah. And that doesn't matter. Yep. How often do you think tap pros foot fault is the step putt dumb? So I would say in terms of how often do I think tap pros foot fault, I would have to get into how often do I think about tap pros foot faulting, which is yeah. zero. Yeah. Um, in terms of we've talked about this before in terms of foot faulting and watching people's foot fault and all that. Um, I watch it when I'm watching on TV to see how close they are sometimes very rarely. Yeah. But for me, the foot fault is a competitive advantage, Mm -hmm. right? I look at it as a competitive advantage, even though that's not the rules and I get it. I understand. So when someone's jammed into a bush and they're trying to get that straddle out forehand so that they can get out there, how often are those guys foot faulting? fucking never yeah because those other guys are there like where's his fucking foot yeah where's the mini yeah and usually they're even like am i good that's usually the question where it's like i am not foot faulting right like because you're good you're good you're good right i'm good i asked whatever so i think in those tricky footing tricky landing zone spots is legitimately never are those guys foot faulting never yeah wide open field when they're running up to rip a 600 foot second shot on some crazy ass hole that they're in the middle of a field are they foot faulting probably sometimes yeah is it like if you were actually like policing it at that level is it a foot fault probably sometimes they're not within the sheet of paper like we saw whatever that was a couple years ago with the meme yeah. And it was like not even fucking close. <laughs> yeah. Um, does that happen sometimes? Yes. After that meme, do I think it happens less? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is there still some foot faulting in that? Yes. Is it is it a competitive advantage? Almost never. Yeah. Right? Like the only competitive advantage is, is they're not looking down as they're getting ready to throw. Yeah. But I don't think that. Like I think the spirit of the foot fault, the ruling of the foot fault, especially once they made it like a full sheet of paper, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that they're foot faulting very often. Right. Yeah, because you can have you have quite a bit of room now, so like you don't need to be like right on your mini. So like as long as your foot is a sheet of paper, like right with like behind it, and then like a little bit off left and right, right, you're good. Yeah, and then even st- it's like, so what if you're like short? It's got to be like noticeably short. I don't. It's it's a weird thing. I talked to Fred about it a little bit, and he thinks it needs to just be straight up changed to something else. Because it's easy to police when you step on it. But, like, then, what, like, what if you miss it outside of whatever? How can you call it close? Like, maybe you were right on the edge. Maybe it wasn't a footfall. Maybe it's way too outside. I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
but I like you and like we've talked about before it's not even on my radar unless it's the tricky situation whatever right. I'm making sure they're good and usually if it's like hey it, watch your feet yeah that's it and then it's pretty quickly followed up with like all right I'm ready I'm good right yeah sweet yep. so and then when he throws the shot i'm not gonna be like footfall bitch gotcha. like I yeah I got, him. I got him yeah did you guys yeah, yeah. do that yeah. no because i'm up. not gonna like be that like that set him seems, up. yeah he um, had no idea i waited till he threw in there yeah him. <laughs> so yeah yeah uh i mean i yeah i i believe with everything that you said like yep. i'm not gonna say anything different than you did all right so then let's get um, into the putting Right. So I think, I think that that's some of where this is. So let's say out in the field, out in throwing shots, out in whatever, um, minimal to never and also never. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that handles that now with putting, how often do I think that they, that pros foot fault? I think that there's a decent amount of foot faulting, not like a high percentage, but I think if you took the number throughout, in terms of jump putting, you're saying, yeah, in terms yeah. of like, yeah. you know, whatever non-stationary putting. Yes. Um, do I think that there, I think that the number of times that it's foot faulted throughout the year is significant. I think the percentage of times that it's foot faulted is insignificant. Mm -hmm. So I think if you took all the putts thrown by all the pros in any meaningful tournament all year, the percentage is going to be low, mm -hmm. but you have a lot of dudes playing a lot of rounds. So the number itself would be high. Yeah. So like what I would be saying is like, do pros and I'm going to say like the top hundred people in the world. Do they foot fault throughout the year doing different shit? It depends on who those hundred people are. So let's say 300, the top 300 pros in the world through all the rounds in tournaments that they play all year. Do they foot fault a hundred times? Maybe. Mm -hmm. What percentage of pots throughout the year is that? 1%? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that percentage would be. So I think like the percentage is really low, but I think the number, if you looked at it, you'd be like, whoa, like there was that many foot faults. Like that's crazy. But I think percentage of total putts is limited because for most people, no one's foot faulting in the circle mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. Right. Because you're not allowed to move. Right. So, so your setup is like, here's my mini. All right. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, right. Here we go. Um, then if you get to circle two, like there's plenty of people that don't jump putt even in circle two. Mm -hmm. Right. So like. Ricky's not throwing jump putts in circle two. Yeah. Right. There's plenty of people that yeah, he doesn't think about jump putting until like a hundred feet. Right. Yeah. So there's plenty of people that like, I mean, even Eagle, same thing. Yeah. Like that dude's not jump putting in circle yes. two. So then if you get into circle two, now you have like these guys that it's still not even, it's a zero. Mm -hmm. And then you have these guys that now it's a thing. And then you get outside of circle two. And then like, you still have that list of people that like, this isn't even a fucking thing. Yeah. Right. Like Ricky's still probably just straight up putting at 70, 80 yeah. feet. Yeah. Right. Um, and then you have other people, whatever it is. So I think as you like start to build this like graph of number of people jump putting from this distance or step putting movement putting, I don't know, non-stationary putting yeah. yes. as you move in distance, that number right is going up. It's, it's not a linear cause it's probably like after 30, there's a huge jump. And then after like 45, there's probably another jump. And then after 60, it's a bigger jump. And then you right. have like the holdouts on the end of like Ricky and some other guys that yeah. it's like 130 feet. And Ricky's like, I could still get it there. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, all right. So then like, let's just take that data and like accept that as, as a truth. So if that's the truth, the, the, the faulting with it, the foot faulting with it and what it is, um, I don't know. You know, I mean, like for me, 
I think a bigger thing is when I'm playing with, with the people that I play with and like, they just want to do it. Yeah. Like I don't get, I play with you all the fucking time. Uh huh. You're, I am, you are, I'm at the edge of circle two. I'm stationary putting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're at the edge of circle two. You're stationary putting. Yeah. Okay, cool. You're probably one of the best putters I play with. Okay. When my putting's good, I feel like I'm one of the best putters that I'm playing with. Yeah. So it's not them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not us. <laughs> but then I play with other people and they're like, am I outside? I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, I don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, you're 34. Go for sure, it. Sure, dude. And then it's yeah. like the jump step because they want to do it. Yeah. They want to do it. Yeah. They, 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 for whatever reason, like I'm into this. Yeah. And there's a few people that I play with. Matt Clark. Right. Okay. I played around with him at fucking Cass. And that dude fucking slammed 45 foot step jumper, whatever he does. I don't remember because I don't really keep track of it, but he was slamming them all day. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, do it. Yeah. Do you. Right. And like, um, Willie Prince does the like bell kick jump, jump putt that he does. He's really good at it. Yeah. Right. And you're like, do it. Like when I'm watching someone slam 45 foot putts all day and their confidence is super high. If it's a step putt, if it's a jump putt. As long as it's not like really pushing that like edge of like, oh, I don't know, dude, that looked really, yeah, really shady, yeah. you know, like I don't care what people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, just by like my leg situation that I've had, I've never really worked on developing a jump or a step putt. Yeah. Like I have like long enough levers. I use my leg enough in my putt. Like my putt does miss short, which is fine. But like when I'm actually putting well, like I can get it to the basket from 70 feet without a huge struggle. Mm. If I then joined all this extra motion to make like a jump putt or step putt, I don't know how my, my brain doesn't get around the idea that like that's going to be more accurate. Yeah. It might be, but I don't know. I just yeah. don't get it. So when I'm playing with people that are like super like into like, oh, now I can step putt. Oh, I can jump putt. Right. Like Jake Turner would be the one person I play with on a regular basis that like his ability to hit a standstill putt from 34 feet and his ability to hit a step putt or jump putt or whatever it is that he does from 34 feet. Is there a difference in accuracy? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when that dude can get to his jump putt or step putt or whatever, like he's one of the best people I know at it. Yeah. Like I played a doubles tournament with him and I was like, fuck yeah. I yeah. don't have to worry about like 70 to 30. <laughs> like this guy's yeah. got it. I can hit all the in the circle putts and we'll yeah. be gold. Yeah. And it worked out and we won. Nice. And that dude like can like two, like 70 to 100 foot putts at Holly. And I was like, yep. fuck yeah, dude. Sweet. Yep. And when I play against him, I'm like, God damn it. Like every yeah. time he's like, am I outside? I'm like, fuck yeah you are like he's the only one i care about i want to be like no you're not outside everyone else i'm like i don't care do whatever the fuck you want but i don't can walk it in if you want yeah i'll walk it out take small steps or (laughs) huge steps whatever um but yeah i I don't really get into it um but i do get annoyed with the like super sketchy shady right on the verge it looks like your foot faulting Mm -hmm. step pot yeah or super shady right on the verge it looks like your foot faulting jump putt mm-hmm. now the mechanics of the jump putt that are super shady it looks like your foot faulting are way easier to diagnose and call mm-hmm. the diagnosing and calling of the super shady last second maybe your foot was off the ground step putt are more difficult because there's more to distract your eye from and it's more like motion going on. Where the jump putt, your your whole body's kind of moving, the arms moving. I can just watch your hand and then perif the feet. Mm-hmm. And if the perifs, you know what I mean? Like it's two points. Where the step putt, I have this other leg coming through. There's all this other, yeah, and whatever. Um, I just 
get annoyed with that. And I think like you have all the time in the world to develop your form Mm -hmm. and your mechanics. If you change your mechanics slightly so it's not so dicey on the line and put me in this weird spot of having to call you on it, how much different would your accuracy be? Especially when you're consistently using this at 38 feet. I'd more just get pissed off at the person. Yeah. Because I'm like, really, dude? Like, you need to put it in this really weird gray area right on the line of maybe it's legal from 38 feet? Like, you can't figure out a way to just fucking hit this putt without putting everyone on your card in a weird spot of, like, I think that that was an illegal putt. Yeah. Like, I think, I think, did you guys... how are you going to call it, like... Did you guys see it? Was it illegal? I think it was illegal. Like, why? Yeah. Why do you need that much motion, that much, like, right on the verge of whatever from 38 feet? Yeah. I Like, I always, like, whenever it comes up, I always just want to ask... Like, I'm not a dick, so I don't do it during a round. And I'm usually only playing with people that do that at tournaments. So it'd be yeah. really weird. But I always <laughs> yeah. literally, like, right when they do it, I just want to ask and be like, why do you need all that from 38 feet? Yeah. And how often do you think you foot fault when you're doing it? Right. Like, I just get annoyed with the person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, for the most part, like, that weird last second timing, maybe it was a foot fault, maybe it wasn't from 50 feet. If you smash it, I'm like, fuck yeah, mm-hmm. that was sweet. I don't care. I'm not that worried about the split second timing of like, oh, I think his foot was up. Yeah. But when you're doing that, even if it's not a footfall, but it's super close and you're doing it from like 38 feet, I'm pissed. Mm -hmm. Because I'm just like, why are you doing it? And if you like, unless it's super blatantly obvious and you're going from 60 feet and your step putt's like right on the line, I'm like, I think that might've been a footfall, but you hit the 60 footer. I'm like, damn, dude, that guy's smashing 60 footers today. Mm -hmm. So I guess in this situation, this is a long explanation, but is the step putt dumb? If you're using some really questionable, right on the verge of foot faulting step putt within 45 feet, I think it's super fucking dumb mm-hmm. and it annoys the shit out of me. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. And to me, I never, the only time I ever think about calling someone on a foot fault and I like basically never do is when it's <laughs> It just flat out is a foot fault. Like yeah. people who are just in like the dude at uh leagues last Monday. He's he's brand new at the game. Someone already told him like watch your feet or whatever, and it's just leagues. <laughs> he's like twenty feet out and he throws his putt and like as soon as it's out of his hand, he's just like walking to the basket or whatever. Where yeah. it's just like it's a foot like it is a foot fault. But what the fuck ever, and like, yeah. somebody already said something. I don't need to be this, that, and whatever. And I'm already like winning or whatever. And who cares? But if he was doing it in a tournament, like, and then that happened, if nobody said anything, I would for sure say something. But it would be like a, even though it, the rule is like you call someone and then they get stroked for it, I'd be like warning. Yeah. Because I still abide by that where it's like give the warning and because. Maybe they don't know that they're doing it or whatever. They're unaware. And then the next time it happens, like, I know you're aware. Yeah. Because I said it. Yeah. Or somebody else on our card and I was there and coherent and heard it be said and I agreed with it. Whatever. The one that drives me nuts and not that I don't like Yuli or love Yuli at all, but him and, and same with Dickerson. They both have developed the same kind of step putt that's like bending the rules. Where there's like they're they are behind their mini, but their left foot is here. Yeah, and then they jump putt or whatever, and it's like a real dicey motion. And I think it's just good at like 
bending the rules or like kind of getting one over and just like kind of cheating the system a little bit, which could be smart because it's like, I'm still within the rules and this and that and whatever, whether I agree with it or not, that's just kind of how I feel and think about it. Um, but I, it just like, I don't pay attention to it that much because yeah. I like you, like you need all that from that much, but then like you're making these putts and then there's this weird gray area of putting where it's like, it needs to be just like clear cut and dry that you're foot faulting. And the only times that are happening are like the newer players in the sport who literally need it, even though they should develop it. Yeah, same with the other guys. They should probably develop it more because yeah. I mean, you're like top tier, but you're struggling to like, you need all this to get there. Like I'm just some average, whatever. And like, I'm at circle two and I feel like I could just give this enough to get it there and then just work on your angles and like the momentum you can get into the disc. This guy is yet to figure out how to get the momentum into the disc from 20 feet. Yeah. So he needs extra. Um, and I know that there was whispers and stuff of just having the jump putt being got rid of. Um, maybe the circle needs to become like what circle one is now is the, the 33 foot mark. Maybe it needs to be, 45 feet and then once you're outside of 45 feet whatever the fuck what is dicey now is just fucking fine yeah like i'd be down with that all day because like even still like when it's dicey and then they're making the putts it's like shit like they're making these putts right whatever so maybe it's just where you're allowed to be doing it just needs to be changed and then it just kind of takes away from everything because i think maybe a lot of it is like your jump putt it like dickerson jump putt like a 33 or like 35 footer say yeah and it was just like you're jump putting that like really like yeah. i don't like it's he's obviously better than i am yeah and he's got his own reasons why he's doing the things and he's winning usdgc and being a robot chicken yada 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 um and without the ability to really ask him and him to give us like a full honest answer or it's just like yeah i could just do it normal but i could just cheat it this way and my percentage is just way higher and maybe that's the reason i don't know yeah um i think if just the circle was moved out then it would just be fine yeah at least for me and us or I, whatever, I, I would think. be 100 percent down yeah I mean, so right now i think when you get into the gray area it's dumb and you have to pee i'm gonna jump pee nice <laughs> welcome to intermission <laughs> and we're back yes I was waiting, you are too i was waiting for you to say it yeah so that's my <laughs> thoughts on the step and the uh the jump pot yeah um have you ever made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich inside out on accident or on purpose i got like so the peanut butter and the jelly are on the outside of the bread and the bread's in the middle <laughs> i guess i think this was uh no this was uh god damn it Okay. Yeah. Uh, the correct answer to that would be no. Go ahead. Because I don't even know how you hold that. It's going to drive me nuts not knowing who it was. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how you would hold that. And uh, and because <laughs> it's dry bread on dry bread, I don't know how you couldn't just easily fix it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Oh, shit. It's on the wrong side of the slice of bread. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Like, if so, like, how do you even set? I don't even it's know not how- even that. It's like you just put them together. <laughs> backwards on accident that's what i'm saying i don't even know how you would put it together because yeah. what are you holding it to put it together <laughs> yeah like did you did you peanut butter the bread and then put the peanut butter side down i don't know i don't either 
why why can't I just find this guy? I'm thinking that's a universal no. Uh, Did you know that too yeah. much tuna can cause mercury poisoning? Yes. I did. The craziest part. Carl. That was really loud. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Schneider. <laughs> Carl Schneider. Okay. Uh, maybe send a diagram of how that, or a video, make a video of how that's even possible. Yeah. I feel like he only asked the question because he's done it before, because that's never anything that's crossed my I don't mind. know how you do it. Your fingers are in peanut yeah. butter and your fingers are in <laughs> jelly. and you're like, Or they're in only jelly or only peanut butter, because it's like, the one was like good and the other one was like, oh shit yeah. i fucked it up yeah in that way you got it yeah uh so i did know that tuna eating too much tuna can yeah. cause mercury poisoning the tricky part, i didn't know i had that effect on people i don't know how many people are eating you but uh it's probably a different podcast <laughs> but the crazy part is is if you look at the tuna population due to uh fishing and the regulations on fishing at this point globally mm-hmm. um the tuna population is like fucking scary in terms of like how heavily consumed tuna is and how like the tuna presence in the ocean is just so greatly diminished it's insane really yeah it's really really insane like it's one of like the heaviest hit uh, populations due to like the uh the legal fishing of tuna okay yeah because tuna is huge money Mm -hmm. like you can catch a tuna and it could literally like pay for your whole year of life really yeah Oh my god! Yeah, you could catch like so. Uh, Ibisu, which was a sushi restaurant on the backside of the block that I lived on in uh, the East Village. So it was on Seventh and between First. No, it was on Ninth. I'm trying to think which way it went. It was on Ninth between First and A. They're closed down, which is really sad because it was like the best sushi place. But yeah. they got a 500 pound bluefin tuna in there and cleaned it like at the restaurant. Oh god! It was dope. Uh, 500 pound bluefin tuna is like tens of thousands of dollars. Really? Yeah. 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 Oh my. Yeah. Cause some of that stuff is like, you know, 30, $30 plus a pound. Yeah. You know, $50 a pound. It depends on what kind of tuna it is, you know, and like the, the quality of the meat and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah. When you catch tuna and then you bring it to the dock, they have these like steel, um, straws. And they stick these steel straws into the fish and then pull it out. And then they take the meat out of the straw and they can see like a core. It's basically the same as like a core sample like Mm -hmm. they do with ice out of the meat. And then they can test from that meat and then they determine how much that fish is worth. Gotcha. But they're worth like $10,000, $100,000. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fucking crazy. Part of it's because like they're so overfished. But the other part is, is like there's a lot of places in the world that like love fucking high quality tuna. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah, t- tuna as a whole, like, they either have to change the way that it's, you know, like, fished, or tuna's not really going to be the same thing in the future, or it's yeah. going to be crazy expensive. Right. I'm not talking about albacore tuna. I'm talking about, like, you know, the tuna that's red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I've never not been a huge tuna. fan of tuna. A lot of it comes, like, I tried it when I was younger, wasn't really a fan. Then there was the whole, like, well, my last name's Fortuna, so, I mean, just let your imagination run wild. Um, so like also that on top of it just kind of like diminished it, but I've also like guaranteed probably have never had like actually good tuna. Yeah. So it's all been like your shitty store brand, whatever the fuck they've got going on. Yeah. And, like I had it one time as like, like later on in life, I was like, Oh, it's not that bad. And yeah. That was like really it. So sushi tuna is pretty good. Um, but then you can get like belly of tuna. I think it's Toro. Is what the name of it is. Okay. Um, and I know I'm butchering that, but 
uh it's like fatty tuna mm-hmm. and that's like depending on market value but it's like 450 or 550 or eight dollars a piece and you just get the one piece on the little bit of rice mm-hmm. and it's delicious yeah but uh yeah it's very pricey because i don't yeah. know how much i don't know what the weight of that little piece yeah. of tuna is um <laughs> i always wanted sam i like salmon way better than tuna yeah and i always wanted like belly of salmon mm-hmm. like fatty salmon yeah. i never i never had it and then i think like the first time i ever got sushi in new york i saw on the menu and there was like fatty salmon and i was like Ooh, oh geez. and i got it and it was so deluxe i was just like yeah. oh that's it you know yeah like, it's so so good it's funny when my dad he worked at uh it's called i think i was gonna say instagram i can't remember what it's called it was called accolade back in the day and there was a sushi place right down the road and i came to visit him one time and he was all about sushi and i went there and i just hated it now sushi's like one of my top favorites like yeah. going whichever i had a birthday i was like 14 i think it was me and my buddy grayson and it was just me him and my parents or whatever because they were like what do you want to do for your birthday i was like i just want sushi (laughs) like yeah whatever and uh we got like the giant like sampler thing and he was like dude help yourself and like on the menu is like what you can get whatever the fuck you want i'm like all right this 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 and just smashed everything it was so good the best i ever had was uh sushi by far is my favorite food yeah hands down it's like one of the only meals i ever really get excited to go eat yeah like it's like where do you want to go sushi yeah and then more like, than like fogo de chao anything yeah anything okay. hands down it's like my favorite like sushi big gap what, what if I, there was just a fogo de chao sushi yeah well like there that, are they have yeah. places you can go and get do sushi we have buffet. Them here in michigan i don't know i don't know they they used to have at uh benihana you could get all you could eat sushi it's limited oh. to specific things. They, okay. It was it was a good it was a good thing though. Yeah. Um. I don't like eating sushi to that point. Gotcha. Like the enjoyment of it goes away mm-hmm. when you're just stuffing yourself. Or like <laughs> meat. Like I can stuff myself with meat and I feel better. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah, I ate like a, you know, a whole portion of a cow today. Where yeah. with sushi, like, it kind of takes away the enjoyment of each piece because you're thinking like I got to eat a shit ton of this to get my money's worth. Yeah. And then the feeling that you get from consuming like as much raw fish and then any all you can eat sushi, you have to eat the rice. Yeah. And the sushi and all you can eat sushi, the piece is smaller and the rice is bigger. Mm. So like if I ordered a regular piece, it would look like X. Yeah. All I can eat sushi. the fish is smaller and then all of a sudden there's like more rice on there so you're actually just like pounding a shit ton of rice so when you're done that feeling isn't isn't the best i'd rather just like eat it but the best sushi i had was at abisu my buddy uh mr schwartzbauer and i he's german we did we did a project uh in new york we're doing like a uh an apartment and when we finished we got the last check he's like let's go get some sushi and i was like yeah let's go to the one by my house abisu we went and uh it was so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I think I ate like $150 worth of sushi. Nice. And it was glorious. I bet. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, and that, that was awesome. But it's definitely my favorite food, hands down. Hell yeah. So, do shoes matter? Yeah, this is from Ben. This was a while ago. Yeah, that's and right. We meant to, I meant to put it on the board last podcast, and I totally forgot. Yes. And shoes do matter. Tremendously. Extensive, like... If you're going to invest money into like any of your equipment, this is top two. Yeah. Maybe the top. Like, yeah. So I have a couple of theories on life. 
One of them. I thought you were going to say a couple pairs of shoes. No, I have a lot of pairs of shoes. <laughs> but I have a couple <laughs> theories on life. And one of them is, you know, um, never skimp on your mattress, never skimp on your shoes. Right? That's mm-hmm. like the two things. If you have to wear like, you know, Lee jeans or Union Bay outfits or whatever the fuck it is from Meyer, and, and if that's where you're at in terms of like your wardrobe, it's totally fine. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, you can't cheat your mattress and you can't cheat your shoes. Right. Because if you're not sleeping well and if you're not sleeping like in a supported position, the quality of your life is going to go down. Mm-hmm. You're going to be dealing with aches and pains. You're going to deal with recovery issues. You're going to deal with all kinds of stuff. If you don't sleep well, if you don't recover at night when you're sleeping, if you don't actually rest, like it will slowly deteriorate your life. Yeah. Like you, you there's a lot of things of like lack of sleep. Rest and recovery are a thing. Yeah. But it, yeah. like just in, in life, if you don't sleep, it wears you out. Yeah. Like it just wears out your, your neurological system. It wears out your mood. It puts you into stress, mm-hmm. like biologically. Uh, it cancels out your immune system. Like you have a lot of problems. Uh, most of it comes down to like, I don't like being achy and sore. And waking up in the morning sore is one of like the most soul dejecting feelings for me. It's like I wake up. I'm not talking about being muscle sore from like working out yesterday. Right. I'm talking about waking up and like my back hurts, my hips hurt, one of my shoulders is weird. Yeah, and I just when wake... you didn't really do anything like physical. Right. And I wake day. up and I'm like, this is my starting point for yeah. today. Like it's only going to go down from here. Yeah. Um. So I think like getting a shitty mattress or whatever, you know, like it would be important to get your resources together and to get a better mattress. Mm-hmm. Um. Shoes are that for your day, mm-hmm. right? And so like if you've ever had an injury, you know that injuries move up. They don't really move down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like if I hurt my back, right? And like the middle of my back hurts. Very rarely is that going to translate, unless I'm doing something really crazy to overcompensate for that. Yeah. Very r- rarely does that translate into my knees hurting. Yeah. Or like my hips hurting, right? But if my knees hurt, the odds of it making my back hurt are pretty high. Yeah. Right? Because it all like filters up. Yeah. If you have bad feet, like not shoes, if you have bad feet, mm-hmm. odds are you're going to have knee pain, you're going to have hip pain, and you're going to have back pain. Mm-hmm. You might actually get all the way up and have like neck pain. Yeah, right? totally. Just because your feet are fucked up. Yep. So I look at if your feet are not supported properly, if you do not have like good cushioning in your shoes, if you are if you don't have like a quality shoe underneath you, it's literally putting your feet into shitty positions or it's wearing your feet out or whatever it is. And that is just going to move up. It's also not going to help to like counterbalance anything. So like if your knees are kind of shitty and then they're not really getting the cushion, your feet aren't getting the cushioning that they need all day. It's putting a little bit of extra pounding on your knees. Your knees are going to compensate in some way. And then that problem is going to transfer up into your body. Yeah. So I feel like your shoes just in general in life are not an area to skimp. And I feel that they are very important because you're on your feet a lot. Even if you have a desk job, like when you are on your feet, um, you know, you're, you're, you're yeah, to walk from your car to get to your desk. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're disc golfing, I feel like if you're a serious disc golfer and you do a lot of, a lot of disc golfing, your season is mitigating the downside of the impact on your body. Right. So part of having good form is that all that energy leaves your body and it's not getting like your body isn't eating it. It's not getting yeah. trapped in your elbow. Like yeah. you're not throwing like, right. And constantly just like snapping your arm straight. Cause like that elbow is only going to last a little bit and then it's not gonna be able to do it anymore. Yeah. And you're going to be done with Ow, your my elbow. Yeah, you're going to be done with your season. If you're not following through when you throw, 
wear out your shoulder, whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's mitigating the damage that your body takes throughout the season. So that way you can play as much as you can throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. I think shoes are a huge part of that. If you're playing in shitty shoes, you're walking miles and miles and miles and miles and miles over terrain all the time while carrying a bag on your back or while dragging a cart and doing all that. There's mm-hmm. a reason that hiking boots are made a specific way and that you don't see people like traversing mountaintops in like Nike's made for aerobics class. Right. You know, so I feel like it's important. Also comes down to if you like dry feet, if you don't mind your feet getting wet and then grip, like what kind of grip do you like on your shoe? All those are personal preferences. Yeah. But I think it's important to have a good shoe that supports your foot and that like has a good amount of cushioning to it. Yeah. Totally. Like I've gone through a lot of pairs of shoes in disc golf a lot (laughs) and like still just kind of on the hunt for like my perfect shoe. And there's a couple that I've really liked. Um, Like Fred's all about the minimalist shoe. I've had pairs before and after, and I still own that. I still do really like, I really like being low to the ground so I can feel what I'm running on and where like, my feet are stepping and how I'm pivoting and everything because I have more or less narrow feet. So my feet sliding around in like regular shoes, like I have the Adidas Terexes or whatever. And they're like, okay. And I only have them because I didn't have another pair of shoes with me at night where I was playing. Uh, it was Maple Hill wearing the minimal shoes. It was like my feet were just getting blown out just because of the terrain that it was on. Like it was yeah. super hard, rocky, like uh, all these slopes and everything that I'm going up and down. And it was like how tired I was, was like, at, like 50, but how tired my feet were, were like 90. And I was like, I j- I have to get shoes. Otherwise, like I will not be able to like play well and I'll be worried about this. So I have those and I'll bring them with me when I'm going to play whichever, but I don't like them because they're so high up off the ground, I feel like. And I feel like my ability to, like, when I plant, I have this fear of, like, I'm just going to snap my ankle. Like, I know it's not going to happen. I just don't like how the ground play is for my feet on there. So yeah. if I have to deal with it, I totally can. But is, do I prefer that? No. I would prefer something, like, more of a skate shoe that's got that same kind of tread. That's kind of, like, what I'm looking for. And uh, Nike makes kind of my ideal shoe with like a real like a flat sole it's got some cushion to it it's got like pretty aggressive tread but that shoe is made out of practically nothing so i never get them because it the sides will get blown out so fast on me like because it's happened before it's not like i think it'll happen it's it's happened to me on like five pairs of shoes before i was like i can't get these anymore because it's just way too like inefficient money wise yeah um and then there's a few others, like Vivo Barefoot, we were talking about the other day. Eagle wears these things. I have a pair of, like, the regular walking shoes, and I've played in those, and I really liked them. And then Dan and Kyle both have, like, the really aggressive boot one that's basically the same, just a different tread, and I really want to get those. And those, like, if and when I get those will be the most money I've spent on shoes ever because they're, like, from them is, like, $250 for them. If yeah. you get them off of Amazon from, like, another reseller of them it's still over two hundred dollars so like if i get those in their suite i'm down like if they'll last me a while they have a little more padding in there than the ones that i have um my fear is is 
they just get wrecked super fast. Yeah. So the saving grace on that is Dan and Kyle are both pretty aggressive on their feet when playing disc golf, and they still look entirely intact. So I'm leaning more at eventually I'll get them. It's going to be cold out soon. Won't really be wearing them. So yeah. Uh, the shoes that I wear for training and everything right now are some Nikes, and I've really liked how they are more so just because the sole and the toe box is wider. I know we were talking about it yesterday. Um, it takes that fear away of my foot rolling over because like just how a Corvette can sit really low to the ground because it's really wide. This is really wide too. So if my foot's pivoting and sliding, I don't have that fear of like, it's just going to catch and my foot's going to come over on it. It's I'll be able to plant and get all the way through like parallel with the ground. Yeah. So shoes have been a big thing for me. I used to wear, um, walmart skate shoes i forget what they were they're like 20 bucks and they're really easy to get like i wear 14 15s whichever so i'm limited unless i go online and even then when i order online sometimes i actually get shoes that are too small like they're advertised as whatever and then they're just like it feels like it's compressing all my bones in my foot like trying to make it into one and i'm like i fucking hate that i spent money on these yeah and like i waited all this time and i was super excited and they were just dog shit yeah so shoes are very important one thing that i want to say about like fred and then one thing i want to say about like vivo Mm -hmm. and uh even before like the first shoes i think that came out in that way were like new balance like new balance came came out with the minimus yeah and that was like quite a while ago yeah um and when they came out it was like a whole different theory on shoes Mm -hmm. of like you don't need all this padding um if you keep it more minimalist like your foot is made to do x y and z and all that and i've always been like a I've had knee problems since I was like five. Yeah. And um, I heard it in gymnastics when I was a little kid and I've had problems ever since. Yeah. But um, I always looked at like the padding is what like saves me. And there was a different theory. So I got a pair of like the minimum shoes. You got them. And then I was like, well, I'm going to get them. And I Mm -hmm. got a pair and I really liked them. Um, It was one of those things of like I played in them. It was okay if I didn't play like a long round, if I didn't have to walk a lot in them. And then I just blew the fuck out of them Mm -hmm. because they were like netting on the side or whatever. And they just did not hold up to my throw, Um, even with like the minimal amount of legs that I was using at the time. But that's one of the things that like you build up to, you know, in in terms of like what, what your comfort level is and what all your stuff is, you know, because like you do have muscles in your feet. You do have like all these things. And if you're like, I'm constantly in shoes that like hold and support my feet. And I'm constantly in shoes that are like very well, like structured and padded and all this stuff. So like my feet are delicate because they're not like, they're not rugged. Like I don't have rugged feet. I kind of have like princess feet in terms of like, (laughs) I don't force them to do anything that's tough. They're always like driving around in a Mercedes. Yeah. They're very rarely driving around in like a Honda. You know what I mean? And so, like, they're used to the Mercedes. And once they're in a Honda, they're just like, oh, my God, like, what the fuck's going on here? Um, so I, like, I like even if I have to walk at the beach and I don't have any shoes on, like, I'm instantly like, oh, and I'm, like, walking through the sand and it's, like, killing me. Really? Because, yeah, because my feet, like, just aren't, they're not made for that. Yeah. But when Fred said, like, well, I actually, because I've worn, like, minimalist shoes for such a long time, like, my feet are just really, like, muscular and kind of meaty that when I put on a shoe that has, like, a narrow toe box in it's like, I can't even, like, get into them. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, well, yeah, because you've had probably years and years and years of, like, building your feet yeah, up Ever to since I've known Fred, he's worn minimal shoes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I think that that's part of the thing in terms of, like, 
do shoes matter? Yes. But I think like you were talking about, it's a quest for you of like what your shoe is. And for me, it's a quest for me of like what my shoe is. And I think it's important to find that shoe that does it for you. But there isn't a universal answer of like, well, this is that shoe. Yeah. It's figuring out like what, where do you need the support? What kind of feel are you looking for from your shoe and what's going to hold up? Yeah. And is there that thing that this shoe feels great on my foot? Mm-hmm. I like the way that the tread is in terms of giving me grip and the shoe's going to last me longer than three months. Yeah. That's the trick. Yeah. Figure it out. Cause one of those shoes that I got that I immediately, I know you have gotten, uh, you have more experience in this because you were able to grab onto this idea. Like this is a relatively new thing for me, but like finding a shoe and then just buying like two pairs of it or something. Yeah. Um, I do that with everything. Yeah. The Merrell's where the, trail glove fives like i still really like them i just wish they're made out of a little different material like i think they have a fancier one that's like out of leather now or something um but those were one of the first ones where i wore them i put them on and i played like around in them and then that day i bought another pair yeah because they were on sale for a good price they were normally like 70 they were on sale for like 55 dollars um so like two pairs of sweet shoes that I was really happy with for just over a hundred bucks. Awesome. Um, and then they started getting worn out really fast. They were, uh, they had this weird thing. Fred had the problem with them too, was their ability to hold on to your foot odor is like it matched by none, yeah. whatever the fuck it is. No fucking idea. Um, but that was something like, I'm totally okay with Like I keep most of my shoes like in the garage. So they're not like, destroying the house yeah uh but those i found out pretty quickly that the soles would just go out really fast because it's really thin like they were aggressive i really liked how they felt i had merrells before that were basically just ice skates and i fucking hated them and then he got those ones and i really liked how the tread looked that's like the first thing i look for and then i go through all the other check boxes um so like and then the vivos like i found out about and then i found out eagle had and i was like i don't want to be a fanboy eagle or whatever um because i don't want to get beat up by plants but um that's why i'm interested in those yeah and then like once i get those and then they turn out not to be like what i was looking for then it's like now what do i do yeah it's like it's this non-stop quest for me still um but like outside of that like i'm jealous of your shoe collection because you got some sweet stuff in there that's yeah. like it just looks really comfortable and this and that and then like I've always loved shoes, but my management of them has always been like dicey because I just destroy them. Yeah. Like sometimes they're okay. And then there's the one time where you forget your work shoes and then you were like, I'll just put these slides on. I like these. I'll just be careful. And then people are cleaning the floors in the kitchen. They're using like heavy degreaser and then the soles just come off of them. And then I'm like, God damn it. And then it like happens again and again and again. Yeah. And I'm just so angry with myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The big thing with shoes also in, uh, and I'll just give you a tip that makes uh, a huge difference. I've passed on to a lot of people is in the, in the idea when you say like, well, you'll buy two of the shoes. If you buy one pair of shoes and you use them for what you're using them for, they're going to last X amount of time. Mm -hmm. If you buy another pair after that pair is dead and they're going to last equal another X amount of time, then the the lifetime of the two pairs of shoes that you got is 2X. Yeah. This isn't difficult. No. Okay. Love algebra. If you get both pairs of shoes at the same time and you alternate wearing them, 
your timescape of those two shoes lasting is going to be far greater than two yeah. X. Yeah. Because what happens when you wear them all the time is the rubber never has the time to fully rebound from the compression that you put it under. Mm-hmm. And then when your sweat gets into the shoe, the bacteria in your sweat actually breaks the rubber down underneath the footbed and it'll round the bottom of the footbed out. And then when you're wearing them, it's putting pressure on the rubber in a odd angle kind of thing. And you, then you start to get pressure points on the bottom of the sole and it just wears the sole out faster. Yeah. So if you wear this pair of shoe and you invest in like cedar shoe trees one pair wear this pair of shoes when you take them off put the shoe trees in them wear the other pair take this off put the cedar shoe trees in them wear the other pair and you alternate them that way you'll get like two and a half x three x instead of just the two x yeah um and you also won't develop the odor like you do if you just wear that same pair every day yeah so I've, I've told people that before and even if it's just like especially gore-tex anything that's got gore-tex in it like you, you have to alternate them because you just wear them out. Like they yeah. hold moisture in and then that just causes like the shoe to rot from underneath you. Yeah. Um, I actually just remembered my first pair of disc golf shoes that I actually loved. Yeah. And I don't know how they would stand to me today. They were a pair of Montrails back in the day when I lived in Texas that I got at REI. And yeah. I loved those. And I bl- like those were falling apart and I was still wearing them, loving them. Because the big thing that I liked was that they just, they were like a sock. They didn't have a tongue or anything like that, and they weren't overly aggressive. They fit really nice, super comfortable. It was just fun. I randomly thought of that because yeah. the first pair, or before actually investing in actual disc golf shoes, I had um, brown Pumas from quick quick first round story of like ever. When I got a disc stuck in the tree, I had these brown Pumas, and we were trying to get the disc out of the tree. And we were throwing like rocks and whatever. It wasn't getting out. And I was like, I got this. I took my shoe off and I nailed my disc with my shoe. You can only guess that my shoe immediately took its place up in the tree. And then it took like an hour to get the fucking things out. And then it wasn't long after that that I got those Montrails. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Great. Make so best? shoes, do they matter? Yes. 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 Make best tournament over the weekend. Did you hear about this at all? I heard about it, but I didn't see the results. Okay, so Macbeth won by seven. He did? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so. Where was the tournament? I don't remember, but I was talking to Josh uh, Pat Tan. Pat, Pat, I don't know. It's like It looks like Peyton or Patton. Mm-hmm. It's Pat Tan, I learned. Okay. Um, he won by seven. He wasn't planning on playing this tournament. He was out there to like watch, hang out with whatever, yada, yada, yada. Didn't have like some disc golf shit with him. Someone dropped out. He had the opportunity to play. Played the first round with two Lunas that he borrowed and a Zeus that he borrowed. Yeah. I think he was... I don't remember if he was in the lead or... A clo- like He was close. He was somewhere in the mix at the top, obviously. And then by the time second round rolled around, he had like a full bag of like seven discs or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Not his. Borrowed discs. Won the tournament by seven. So he won a tournament with none of his discs ever. Even yeah. though like some of them are technically his in a way um which i thought was crazy and i just like i immediately thought of like the bin challenge but like yeah. this is like top tier level of that same yeah. or stony yeah yeah or yeah. stony when you shot a 47 with my that, that's what i mean that's yeah. what i mean not yeah. the bin challenge not, oh yeah yeah sorry not the yeah. bin challenge when we played stony yeah yes yeah yeah that was that was great so that's nasty yeah <laughs> it's it's funny i think it's i think yeah. it's great 
Yeah. Uh, I think in those situations, like, like we said before, like the personality of the players and like, it's, it's those things I think that are, you know, very attractive in terms of like disc golf as a story, mm-hmm. like all that, like, like sports over time generate that, you know, and disc golf, I think that that's part of the thing, you know, of like kind of the oddities that happen are great. And it's like, yeah, awesome. Like yeah. Paul going and playing, you know what I mean? Like you imagine him with like a, like a plastic bag, you know, where he's just carrying three discs or something. Yeah, you know what he's I mean? uh, he's grocery bag Dave. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah where he's yeah, got like a six pack yeah. with like three discs on one yeah. side, three discs on the other side. He's carrying a little cardboard handle. <laughs> like it's fucking yeah. great, and it's Paul McBath. Yeah. So good job, bro. Yeah, that's sweet. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, shoe strick. Shoe strick. I don't know if you heard about this either. I didn't hear about it until yesterday. I read his post. Yeah. I didn't even know that him and his wife were pregnant. Yeah, I read yeah. about that. Yeah. I, so they were pregnant, and then. Um, so their kid is having problems, emergency surgery. Yeah. Jomez raised a bunch of money so they could have 10 the grand. Kid. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they're doing well. Yep. It's like, I had, I no idea. Like I was playing with Josh and a couple other guys and I was sitting there reading it because it was like, he posted something is like super long and I'm always interested to see like what he has to say. Cause I like Schuster and I always wish like he was back in the mix because he was like a sick player, even though yeah. his putting was dicey, like his off the tee game was just nonsense. Um, and one, so of, the, was one of the great explainers and teachers of disc. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even though we joke about like the foreman, whatever, he's yep. extremely good. Yep. Um, and he changed disc golf. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, but yeah, hopefully everything goes well. I know they're, baby's like 23 weeks old yeah while having emergency c-section all this craziness so yeah i hope you guys are doing well and everything goes yep. well one of my favorite yes. guys absolutely hands yes. down uh yeah it's always funny because people for a long time were always like who's your favorite pro and i was like the only human being that i ever knew that i was like shoestrick and they were like <laughs> oh this fucking guy yeah i'm like and then, you know like even now whenever yeah. i run into people like it's always funny when I'll throw and then people will be like, Hey man, that's really good. Blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, how long have you been playing? And I always just go, ah, like it's a really hard question to answer. And then I have to yeah. give you like a whole story. Yeah. yeah so I'm yeah. like, I didn't play for a decade. Yeah. Um, so the amount of time that I've been playing is X long, but in reality, like I've been playing for 10 years. Yeah. Like before that I played, but then I didn't play for a decade, whatever. Right. I threw all overhand in the day. Yep. I'm like, so I learned a backhand like 10 years ago. Right. And I'm like, you know, if you want to learn a backhand, Hands down. One of the videos mm-hmm. to watch, Will Schustrick. It's yeah. a six and a half minute video yep. teaching you about how to throw a backhand. And yeah. I'm like, there's there's a few other videos, the Simon and Eagle Clinic. Yeah. You know, there's a few videos. Um, and I always like tell that. And I'm like, honestly, like Schustrick is really good. Like watch his videos and stuff in yeah. terms of like learning form. And I remember when I saw at like he was hurt for one year, did shitty, kind of got it back together, developed some, a little bit of like a hitch in his throw. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered, and it's one of the only things I have stored on my phone, not in photos. I like saved into my phone as a file. Yeah. And it's him throwing at Maple Hill. Really? On 18. Okay. And his reach back as he comes back to reach and then his front step comes forward. His back foot actually comes off the ground before his front foot lands. Really? Yeah. He like reaches so far into his front step, like extending that like his front, his back foot is like off the ground as his front foot's coming through. Yeah. And then it's just a super long, like from all the way back, all the way through and out. And I was watching it. I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. He's a guy, like, if you're going to mimic anybody's form, it would, like, he would be number one or, like, top two of people. Like, not that Eagle isn't great and, like, a ballerina, like, no jab or anything. It's very elegant in the way he throws. Or Simon is very good. Girthy's great. And, but, Shoestrick, like, those videos back in the day was just like pure nastiness yeah. and just and he's as throw PDs 450 feet on just a hyzer and just pin shit or whatever. Like, yeah. And you get into like, like I, I joke around and stuff and, I, and we've brought this up before in terms of like the idea that you can throw far without any muscle. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if you just had better mechanics, you could throw it really far. And I'm yeah. always like, yeah, all right, so let's lay down, do some Jane Fondas, and see how many you can do before your ass and the outside of your leg is on fire. Because yeah. it's going to be humiliating. And you're yeah. going to be like, oh, my God, I guarantee if you took Eagle or any of these guys that you think are like really skinny and don't have any muscle or have any strength, I can show you exercises of the muscles that they use when they're throwing those drives mm-hmm. versus the muscles that you have. And I guarantee those guys will yeah. fucking own you yeah. on specific exercises. Yeah, you get to 10, they get to 50 50 right yeah. or they could put 10 pounds on the end of their leg and still do the same thing way more yeah. than you could yeah um and a lot of it is like they're built specifically strength wise for these movements that they've built up over time just from throwing so much mm-hmm. and they have great form yeah if you get great form and you just have great form but you don't have any kind of strength like you're not gonna do that i hate yeah. to tell you like your form can be perfect you're not gonna throw as far as eagle does because eagle even though he looks thin He's probably got pretty decent muscle to him in yeah. terms of like you could give. Yeah, him I'm sure to like wrestle him to the ground, it's not going to be the easiest. Right. Yeah. And if you set him up in a specific exercise of like, hey, like if you watch the disc golf strong stuff, right? You have a kettlebell. You have like one knee bent, one knee down. You hold this thing and then you pull it across your body. Mm-hmm. Okay. You could be jacked and like do that. Uh, and you'd be like, oh, like <laughs> if you ever go do yoga, like if you've ever yeah. gone to go do yoga, I yeah. like way back in the day, I did a lot of yoga. And then one of my friends was a yoga instructor and I would go. And be like the person because she broke her back. Mm-hmm. So I would go and be the person for her yoga class that like she would manipulate to be in the proper positioning. Okay. And like I wasn't built obviously at the time, but she did it at like a gym. And so like there would be dudes in there from like the gym to come in and like just doing the yoga poses like they're like shaking. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're just trying <laughs> to hold this pose. And it's like, yeah, you have all this muscle mass, but you don't have this specific strength. Right. Right. Which is a different strength than that strength. Yep. Um, and I just think of those guys of like they have that specific strength. But Shoestrick specifically is the best example of efficiency and form over strength because mm-hmm. he is a thin fucking dude. Yep. Like he is like oh, yeah. really, really thin. Yeah. And, uh, and can bomb. Yeah. And so I look at like his form, like the efficiency and everything of his form is just ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm glad that everybody kicked in. I'm glad that everybody helped him out. Yeah. And I hope that everything goes smoothly and... Um, you know that every everything goes the best that it can be, even if I didn't really like Shoestrick as as a disc golfer and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I think there's plenty of things in life. Like we have all these all this political dissonance and everything and whatever. I think you can get into like even if I don't like you, and I don't like your beliefs, and I don't like the way that you do stuff, and I don't like the way that you you know the way that you do business in life. Like I, I still want you to have a good family. Yeah, I still want you to be happy. Yeah, I don't want you to have like you know, misery in your life. And I really, really, yeah, everyone deserves to be happy. And right. I, I wholly believe that whether I like you or not, yeah. whichever, like if we click or it's just that weirdness, like 
I, I hope you strive to be happy and get there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad that the disc golf community could jump in to help somebody who really helped the disc golf community and do something for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Articles yeah. on PDGA. Uh, so this was something I was wondering, like, maybe we take an article off PDGA and read it and then talk about it. But um, Like a book club? Yeah, kind of. Okay. I don't know. Because, like, I... It, I don't know because it's like kind of modeled after rogan rogan's a great guy and the way yeah. everything's set up and they have stuff and they read and whatever yeah um but i didn't know we were going to get to like three hours in yeah. like 20 minutes is what it felt like yeah um so i don't know i don't know if we want to read it like what what was on there i could pull it up if you want sure yeah let's do it screw it why not we're not gonna read the article out loud are we that was the whole plan. Oh, you mean you were going to read the article right yeah. now? Oh, no. Yeah. I'm not up for that. What do you mean not up for that? People can read. No, they can't. All right. Well, let's cut around and come back to that. Whatever. I want, there was something on here that was, I thought, interesting, but I don't remember. But it was it was an idea that I had because I think it's not terrible. The articles aren't crazy long, and then we have stuff to talk about or whatever. So yeah. anyways, we'll just cut around and whatever whatever happens, happens. Um, the last thing Mosier posted am only a tiers and why they should cease to exist okay i i don't i don't know my opinion on that i don't know if you have a thought about that i don't know if we wanted to talk about that yeah um and i'm not even sure like what tournaments he was referring to but i do know someone responded with a hard on it okay yeah fourth nice nice um so for me i think that am only a tiers are good and worthwhile mm-hmm. right because i think that um you know you're you're building you're building a resume in your mind mm-hmm. that is trying to prove that you're the disc golfer that you think that you are yeah and i think like having big amateur wins pushes you to be like yeah i could really compete at like a high level Mm -hmm. in pro um so i I think in that way in terms of like movement forward i think that it's valuable to have like an am a tier and be able to go and do all that stuff whatever i also like the limiting of people being able to go backwards into an am a tier so if you've accepted cash over the last 12 months then you can't play in an am a tier Right. So you'd have yeah. to like maintain that hard AM status of not accepting cash, do all that to be able to play in an AM A tier. And B tier, if you've accepted cash, you can go back and play in a in a, in a B tier as an AM and whatever. Um AM majors, you can't. If you've ever accepted cash or whatever the fuck. I mean, I don't know. There's some time frame that you'd have to like go back to your amateur status to be able to play in like an amateur major and all that stuff. But as far as AM A tiers, I'm in in terms of like a pro- a progress. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you can stay am forever if you want to, which is totally fine. Yeah. I think in that way, then it gets kind of weird. I think just staying an am for a really long time and just like dominating an am field over and over and over and over again, I think just gets kind of weird. And I don't think it's any weirder to do that in an am A tier than it is to do it in an am B tier. Yeah. And I think staying in lower divisions of am other than am one for years, if you're like, performing well at tournaments is super fucking weird and we've already gotten into that yeah like if you're rookie of the year for six years in a row like you're a dick yeah (laughs) Yeah. and that's just the truth yeah Um, i mean i think they have a term for it uh what is it yeah exactly sandbagging yeah so i I think any of that stuff like 
you know, is what it is. But I think that it's valuable in terms of like people progressing and people like moving forward in the sport and being able to compete in an A tier setting as an amateur to see what all that's about. I think that's one of the sweet things at Amnats is you're competing in like it's an A tier. Yeah. Right. But it's a major. Yeah. So like it's an A tier though where you just go play one round a day for three days like the pros do and all that stuff. And it's a cool thing to qualify for and and to do. Yeah. Um so I think like AM A tiers um are a valuable thing. I also think like the likelihood of a tournament being super nice is probably most likely to be an AM A tier. Yeah. Because the T D is actually financially benefiting from running that tournament and making it amazing and making everybody want to play it. Right. So like an AM A tier would probably be the one where the T D would be the most motivated to be like, I'm gonna make this amazing. Yeah. So that it fills every year. And maybe next year it could be eighty bucks. Yeah. Or a hundred and twenty dollars or whatever it is. Yeah. Because the more money they bring through, the more money they make. Right. Right. So a pro A tier. I don't know how much money they're making. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, I've never been a tournament director for the like the closest thing was running the putting thing. And I basically got two to three dollars a person. Mm-hmm. And it's like I mean, it's whatever. So like each event, it's like thirty to fifty dollars for a couple hours worth of work. Yeah, which is like totally fine. Like I'm down. It's a lot of fun. Everybody's getting much more of a payout than I am, and I'm happy to do it. But I don't know what the translation is into like an actual tournament with all this other stuff and many more players in it. Um, but I do know I've had this talk with Fred, however many times now, of the idea of am rec intermediate whatever be trophy only and what that would entail and that the idea behind that was helping players be forced to like better themselves if they wanted to so like if they wanted to stay here fine cool but if you want to better and like actually start winning stuff you're gonna have to start moving up in the ranks eventually you're forced to like I can't move up because I suck at putting or my distance sucks and this and that. It's like, well, really? Like, yeah, sure. That might be true. But how much time are you putting into actually like developing that? And what's your want to actually get better? And are you willing to do it? Because it's not just going to be like you wake up one day and you're just draining everything. And even that happens. But what's the consistency of that? Like you're on fire putting. But is that 20 feet for you? Or is it 30 feet, 40 feet? What is it? Or do you work at it and work at being consistent where it's like, all right, I suck at 20 footers. And the idea is you want to be making nine out of 10 putts or a hundred percent inside the circle. And I'm at 60%. Well, I don't really practice ever. And if I want to move up or start winning stuff or earning X, Y, Z, whatever it is, I have to work at it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like, I'm kind of for that maybe somewhere in between where it's like the payouts aren't as deep for funny money or whatever it is. But I I do like the idea of trophy only until maybe actual am because we always say am one, am two, am three. That's not actually the case. That's just how they're signified on whichever, but really it's amateur, intermediate recreation, whichever. So yeah. And then, uh, like we've had the talk before, where AM is like, you don't have to move up from there. Like, you can, if you're bagging AM and you're that good, cool. But when you move from AM to pro, the difference being 
playing for plastic versus playing for actual money. And then once you win money, you're actually um, labeled as a professional. Like you're playing a sport and you're getting money for it. So there is that significant difference. Yeah. Versus M1, 2, 3, 4. You're playing for the same thing, same thing over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, I'm not too sure. Like, I don't know if he's trolling. Because, I mean, he's known for trolling and like saying like outlandish things and doing this and that. So like, I tried yeah. getting him to like have an extra thing. So I'm not like i don't don't think that he's ba- being bash or whatever or maybe he's just trying to play devil's advocate but i'm for a tiers being am only still like i know the uh southern michigan open is like the one that stands out that's like a two-day event that isn't am nats that i think is actually pretty sweet you like fills up every single year yeah, it's like, at multiple fast. courses and yeah all that yeah yeah and it's a super cool thing and then also for the people running it they should be able to make some money too yeah. And so I like you said they make a lot of money off of being able to pl- pay am. So um maybe like what if it was along the lines of you sign up for a tournament and you're getting a like really nice players pack. You're getting your money's worth and then you're playing for trophy only. So yeah. now you're testing your skills amongst your peers and the, everyone that's in that same level as you. You got something for your money and now you're just playing flat out for score for a trophy. And then you win this trophy and then it's like, all right, maybe it was dicey and I can work on it. And you go out in the same division again and you get your second one. And then it's, okay, maybe I need to move up. So I want to prove myself more or whatever. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly, but I'd like to see or hear what he has to say about it. Like what his take is on it for sure. Um, yeah, my thing with the disc dollars and the trophy is when I go to before, when I'd go to like a tournament and I'd, hang out for the ams right because i'm waiting to get my discs um i was always like and, and there was plenty of times where like i would just literally go up and grab discs for other people yeah like i'd ask people like hey man what do you want you know because a lot of the time like it's just that i don't throw and whatever it is and i'm there to compete i'm just there to like try to beat these fuckers that beat me last time yeah <laughs> yeah i mean legitimately and to like yeah. work on my rating yeah i know i know you also have your list of people where you want to go out and yeah i don't want to lose to them yeah yeah um so like there's plenty of that and then there's plenty of times when like i'm grabbing discs for people Mm -hmm. or if there's like a little kid there on the side or whatever like i might ask him like hey man what do you throw or hey man what do you like or whatever it is and then just like grab them one or Mm -hmm. whatever uh back in the day i used to grab discs for will all the time and be like hey man like what do you you know and like if they had any i'd grab them because otherwise i end up with just a pile of challengers yeah (laughs) right that are just gonna sit there that are gonna sit there forever until years later when i decide to throw them at a park and then i'm like hey these are actually pretty good yeah i was Um, looking for this i was looking for this so anyways um but the excitement that I see from like legitimate like AM3 players or even AM2 players or whatever it is when they're leaving there with like the discs that they got, mm-hmm. they're super excited. Right. And I think that like walking out of there with that stuff, right, that they won mm-hmm. is a huge motivation to play more tournaments and then yeah. to dedicate more time and then to do all that stuff and whatever. So I think at that level... Like doing the trophy only where you just got your player pack. And again, what's the player pack? Mm-hmm. Like did I pay, you know, $50 to play this tournament and then I got three discs that I'm never going to fucking throw with some stamp on it from this tournament. You know what I mean? Like that I just don't care about. Right. But I have the chance to win this trophy. Like who cares? What are the odds that the player pack is going to be what these like 15 and three players want to throw? Because who knows what the fuck that they're throwing? 
Yeah. You know, so in that way, like I like as much versatility for the people that like perform decently or well at the tournament for them to get out of it what they want to get out of it to keep them playing tournaments and to keep them like engaged in the sport and moving up and doing all that. I think you do that to a certain level. I think part of the motivation to move to open is to quit playing with the people that are going to play AM forever. Yeah. Because you just get sick of it. Yeah. You get sick of playing against these guys. And like, exactly like sitting there on the sideline is it like, and for the fifth time in a row, the AM <laughs> one champion of this thing is this guy. And you're like, all right. So I came out here and I lost to this guy again, which is frustrating. Mm-hmm. And all I have, and now I have to show for it, like these, you know, four Frisbees yeah. where I could have come out played with pros, you know what I mean? Or people that are like considerably better than me or whatever, maybe learn some stuff, put myself in a different situation. And if I shot the same score, like maybe I got 60 bucks, you know what I mean? Or at least I got the thing of like playing with better people and, you know, like putting myself. Yeah, you got some other like. Intangibles. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I think like part of the motivation is like getting away from that. Mm -hmm. Is getting away from like, playing in that setting and if you're a person that wants to do something else like part of the thing that's grinding you out when you're at the end of your am career is playing am yeah and like going up and getting your frisbees that you don't care about anymore yeah you know what i mean and like knowing that you have the six backups to like the disc that you really like and like trying out this new mold or getting you know what i mean like you're basically at that point most of the time getting this that you're trying to flip yeah. That you're trying to sell, that you're trying to whatever. And wouldn't it be just be easier if you could just get the money right now? Yeah. Instead of fucking around with like getting these discs yeah. and then posting them on. And we've already talked about that nightmare of like posting them on a marketplace, something, and then dealing with that person and having to deal with shipping and going yeah. to the post office or meeting up with someone behind a dumpster somewhere to get your $15, or, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever it is. And so yeah. part of it is like to get out of that AM lifestyle and you just want to like move on. Yeah. So I think that the, the way that it's set up now works other than the like you know four year in a row rookie of the year that Mm -hmm. situation um and maybe that's like a social pressure thing you know what i mean i don't know and 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 in reality if you don't want to deal with it just don't play fucking am if you don't want to lose in am three to this guy that's won am one tournaments before for the fourth year in a row because he just keeps throwing 820 rated rounds until he can get his rating back to 899 so he can come out there and kick the shit out of you yeah on a sunday to be like yeah i won again yeah then just get the fuck out of am3 yeah and play am2 and if you got the same shit going on in am2 at the 934 rated guy who just keeps like begging to get back to 934 to kick your ass then just go to am1 mm-hmm. and if you get sick of those fucking guys then just go to open yeah and if you get sick of those guys, I don't know. Start taking steroids. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, you know, take yoga. I don't know what yeah, to tell you. Yeah. And, it, and it, it falls on just like where you're trying to go. But I would imagine a lot of it is, I mean, you're playing a sport and you're playing tournaments. So you're trying to play competitively. So that to me is you're just trying to better yourself at the game yeah. versus like I'm going out with some buddies to go play for whatever. Right. And drink some beers. And, yeah. Yeah. And like if that's your goal, then. Yeah. go do that not yeah. play tournaments or whatever or if you're looking just to play with your buddies for some cash hey do you guys want to go play indie for 10 a man and then winner takes all second place gets their money back or yeah. doesn't have to pay or whatever yeah. do that i don't yeah. i don't know I, I still like uh 
I like this Dream 18 idea. I think that that's sweet. I love it. And I then, am super pumped about it. Yeah, and then in terms of like even AM stuff, I really like the idea of like a series. You know what I mean? Like this year was the first year I did any kind of traveling league stuff, and I played the Huron Valley Traveling League because I didn't have a bunch of tournaments. So then like the times that I could play during the week, I wasn't dedicating towards like tournament prep for the weekend. So then meeting up on a Tuesday to go play a bunch of places. Yeah. Other than the Northridge Church round that we did, <laughs> uh, nine twenty six, <laughs> boom. Um, other than that, I really like that, and I like like there's serious dudes in that league. There's serious guys that I actually care about competing against, and we're playing at like different courses all the time. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I really really liked that. Um, and so in that way, like I don't know, like that's one of the things of like doing like you know open stuff. Is like in an am situation is that as is that as enjoyable not at all yeah like how does that work you know what i mean like all right so we're gonna go play a toboggan this week and then like what you're gonna are you gonna get like a couple like a couple of frisbees or like i don't know how that works you know but like i like the idea of like you go out we're gonna play a super fucking course everyone's gonna well, a bunch of people are gonna be really fucking good and you got to shoot really well today but if you do like you're gonna walk out of like 140 bucks right on a Tuesday. Yeah. And be like, fuck yeah. Yep. And 140 bucks is nice. But it's also like, yeah, I beat like these fucking guys at Tobacco. Yeah. Like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. sweet, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. And so like that part of it, I mean like, you know, like there, there's some stuff to pro that you don't experience in AM, mm -hmm. right? That like is an incentive to move to pro. But I don't necessarily think that like A tier should be one of those things. Yeah. You know, because I think like you're just trying to, you're trying to make the sport as attractive to people to compete in and do all that stuff. And I think AM A tiers are a big one in terms of like getting people to compete and getting people interested in the sport. Yeah, for sure. Most deaths. Most deaths. All right. You ready? Well, this was fun. Yeah. You ready to work out? Heck yeah. I'm not, but I'm still going to do oh, it. Oh, yeah. When I got up to pee, my legs and everything are just like so, so unhappy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. It's going to be good. Well, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>